Jesus um, freaking Christ. Welcome to Straight to the Point, completely off topic with the loving host, Kyle Dunbar. <laughs> don't do that. You already started recording. But I'm having I'm having technical difficulties. That's all. Just all right, here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Joe Peterson. I'm doing fantastic. Well, you know, actually, I bought an iPhone and my whole world's turned to shit. All right. All right. Well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it's like living on a liberal campus. You know, you just you just don't get what they don't want you to hear. I'm one of those people that for absolutely no reason at all refuse to buy into Apple. No reason. Well, I mean, I, I feel like there there's a reason I'm not aware of, but I, I don't <laughs> subscribe to. Well, to let Apple. me tell you, is a reason they feel like too over. much of a superpower out of nowhere, and all of their stuff is so like you have to buy their stuff to go with their stuff. They don't mm-hmm. share the playground with any other kids. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's just setting you up for like eventually we're going to charge you a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, like I feel eventually I'm only going to be able to wear Apple underwear. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong. Honestly, that's the way I feel when I like and and people when you explain your frustrations with your iPhone and if they're an iPhone person, they just simply point out the thing that you're doing wrong as though you like, duh, listen, oh, you can't forward your text message. Well, just copy and paste it. I, I will. But that's one extra step. Who hasn't? I mean, it's iPhone. They haven't thought about the fact that I might want to forward a contact. Yeah. Like yeah. that is it, it, you're right, though. It is. It is always like I, iPhone users will always blame somebody else. It's your tech. Yeah, it's my. It's because, my. Like, remember when they were all like glass front and glass back, and you didn't know a single iPhone owner that didn't have a smashed phone because if, <laughs> yeah, if you looked at them wrong or dropped them or put in your pocket wrong, it would just crack the phone, break. and you'd be like, I, "I'm not getting an iPhone." They're always broken, and they'd be like, "Well, it's my fault," you know. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like a beaten wife? It's yeah. Like if I didn't make him mad, I wouldn't have fell down the stairs. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Kyle. If his, if his dinner is ready, hey Irene, how you doing? I'm good. Did you think she, it was the right did, time to come in and beat him? Well, she did, right. She's just listening to you and finding it absolutely hilarious. So yeah, I thank my wife for jumping in on the beaten wife comment. <laughs> oh, that was perfect timing. Yeah, we know what goes on out there in Massachusetts. Oh yeah, it's too snowy to go to the bar and get in a fight. You stay at home and do it, right? Well, you know, Irene's tough enough. She can take it. <laughs> <laughs> Irene's a tough girl. Yeah. Multiple uh, award-winning. Yeah, like world, world records. World, world, world records she has in, in deadlifting and powerlifting. And, and ex- explain to me, this is fun for me, but for my audience as well. Please explain to me how we found out that she had such an ability. Because, of course, like all athletes, she'd been training and deadlifting her whole life, right? No, no, not at all. She, she started going to a particular uh, personal trainer um, just to get back in shape. You know, like you, you mm-hmm. do the stay at home mom thing for, for 18, 20 years and, and everything else. So then she decided that she was going to get out of the house and go be more active and do something. And so she started working with this personal trainer who was herself into powerlifting. And then so she would kind of just work that into the routine as a way to get healthy and stay fit and everything else. And so she started doing deadlifts and squats. Yeah. But like a, like a normal weight limit. Yeah. 
Yeah, and she had like this uncanny natural ability to pick things up and put them down. So, <laughs> and everybody always, there's always the question like, like, man, how did you get so strong? I myself, as you know, am, uh, I have a, a spine disorder, so I can't, I'm not allowed to pick up anything over like 25 pounds. So anytime we needed a couch moved or refrigerator moved, I was like, honey, you better get at that, you know? So she's got plenty of like building up to this. But once she started the Are training- Are you taking credit for this? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, that's Irene, my- Irene, do you hear this? That's my only in. That is the, that is my only in. Otherwise, I am simply the guy that sits by the sidelines holding her purse while she goes and accepts her awards. <laughs> Joe and Irene Peterson own Zaza Inc. in Massachusetts. Which is in Worcester, right? I'm not wrong. Worcester, but you're close. There's no double O in it. Well, come on. Give me credit. Like, come on. It is not spelled right. Look it up on the map. If anybody's looking, tell me who's saying Worcester. You know know that that steak sauce, right? Worcestershire sauce? Yes. Worcestershire. How do you you say that? Worcestershire. Worcestershire? Well, it's, it's pretty much the same word there, but... Yeah, so you so it's actually without Worcestershire. the Shire, without the without the Shire. Yeah, but I'm saying Worcester, right? Isn't that you're saying you, Worcester? Like there's two O's in it. It's not even <laughs> spelled close to Rooster, but you're rhyming it with it. I have no idea what happens in Massachusetts. Yeah. I I know that I thought I was getting close to your city when yeah. I I looked at the sign and said, "Oh, Worcester." We must be getting close because that's similar to what I would think Worcester would. So we're looking for two W. You told it to me and I heard two O's. Yeah. Well, it did, with the accents, it gets all over the place. Massachusetts, I think, has like more accents than most most states, even though we're so tiny. But, uh, they, you know, a lot of locals will call it Worcester, you know. What's the best part about being in Massachusetts? Uh, well, a lot of people say the season change. I like the economic climate climate out here. I like the fact that that um, it's easy to make money with with a little bit of hard work. And, you know what uh, I like about it? Okay, go on. You got more. We we, we have like we boast one of the the lowest poverty levels of of any other state. Congrats! Is you that know, just because so. you're shipping them out, or, or do y'all make them do do jobs? Oh, uh, advertising income tax on the side of the street. We have, we have a lot of a lot of social services and and liberal liberal agendas going on in Massachusetts. So we're certainly not getting rid of them. We're not medical. Them away. Obamacare was kind of uh, modeled after Massachusetts health care. We, right? we had we had Mass Health long before Obama uh, came up with the Obamacare. You know, so um, whether or not he knew and and said, hey, let's follow along. But it, it's it's very closely re- uh, resembles what we've had going on for a long time. And so you got a lot of a lot of social programs, as you're saying, that, that make oh, yeah, Worcester yeah, also we, nice. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's, it is nice. If you're ever in a hard spot and you need help, there's, there's tons and tons of help for people with with programs, you know, are. Uh, um, what there's not help for and, is getting to those programs. If you want some directions on wherever that building is at, Good fucking luck. His people, I had somebody in Massachusetts. I, he, I called him up. I wanted to get to a tire shop. You know how it is. Every time I come into your show, you know, we haven't, I haven't actually got to. You also run the Sturbridge, Mass, Massachusetts Tattoo and Arts Festival and have for yes. several years. One of the most yep. awesome shows. And that's really, I want to talk a lot about it because there's so many fond memories. However, I, every time I've come into that show, my car is breaking down. I, and, well, yeah. 
this was no no exception there's not a good drive to get from where you are to where we are well last time i drove out Mm -hmm. that way i think was to drive out to iowa and my car broke down going that way so uh, yeah i don't know it's something about the roads on the way between us do you think it's it's uh did you break down in massachusetts on the way there or did you break down no no i broke down when i got when i got out there Okay, right on. By the time by the time I landed, I, I, I wanted was, to blame it on Massachusetts roads or something, just because they're all so old timey. You know, our, our roads our roads can be pretty notoriously horrible. But the directions people will give you is just a fuck with you. I had a guy explain. He's like, "So where are you at?" And I'm like, "I tell him the name of the crossroads." Like, "No, no, 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 where, no, no, no. Where are you at?" Like, I don't understand. I'm like, "Look, crossroads." He's like, "No, no. What are you looking at?" I said, "Oh, I'm at, at the Seven Eleven right across the street from Starbucks." And and, uh, and I'm going to go on to tell him more because that isn't that descriptive. You know what I mean? Starbucks are everywhere. Seven Eleven. He's like, "I know right where you're at. Listen, here's what you're gonna do. He gives me directions. I follow his directions. I end up getting pissed off." 25 minutes later, I call him back up. I'm in the same fucking parking lot. And I'm like, okay, man, I don't, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. What, what am I doing wrong? He's like, okay, where you at? I'm like, I'm, I'm at the cross section here of the thing. And I happened to mention the other, like a library or whatever the fuck was there. He's like, oh, you're at the wrong fucking 7-Eleven. <laughs> uh, uh, so now, yeah, instead of giving you directions from the, from the wrong place, you are in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, and that has been my experience. So anytime I've asked for directions in Massachusetts, that might be the epitome of it. But everybody seems so happy to send you on a wild goose chase and then laugh at you when when you seem when you come back stressed out. You know, the, the, well, I think like, the favorite thing is to not label a push or a pull door and just look at people have confusion. We do have some Schadenfreude going on in Massachusetts. We do. We do some enjoy some assholeisms. Yeah. But, but, you know, as an iPhone user would tell you, Kyle, you're just for, should find a different way to get directions. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Your fault. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I don't, I don't. And that's the attitude I've gotten every time people are really ready. I don't know what it is. I feel like it might be because of so many Ivy league colleges being close by. Oh, we do. We are known for having a lot of colleges crammed into a small state. Yeah. Yeah, so you got super smart people, and you kind of can't wait until you see them do something stupid as fuck, like push on a pull door, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they're but just I mean, like, I, I have, I'm always going by the the like this modern day and age. Like I, I find myself doing it on, like on the internet and things like that. People will post like on their <laughs> social media, like, uh, "How do I find a good plumber?" Well, you got on the internet to get to your social media there's literally thousands of ways to find a good plumber in different rating reviews but they want somebody else to do it for them you know so right like i find myself kind of holding back any knowledge i would have because i'm like you should get it yourself right find it <laughs> yeah. similar with just setting up appointments people will get on your facebook how do i set an appointment you're like are you fucking kidding? like i literally have instructions on yeah my actually i have no idea what i have on my facebook i can't say that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you're like me, you haven't read you haven't read your own website in about 20 years. Yes. No, it's uh I don't know if I've been shadow banned, if that's the right word, but it seems right. But if I've been shadow banned by anybody, it's by Candy because she's like, it just doesn't make your life better. I can't scroll past somebody's shit post. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) most people can recognize it and just be like, oh, that's not important. And they go and I like I see it and I like narrow in. I'm like, and then I dissect it and I'm like, what the fuck? doesn't yeah. then i have to get in an argument with them then <laughs> it's so stupid gotta gotta love facebook <laughs> yeah but, I'm, a, I'm a mess when it comes to social media are you and, using and, it for your 
for your uh, you you have to have other people doing it then because you have yeah you, I, you I, I pay somebody else to pretend to be me on the internet do, do you really yes yes because um, I am I am not good at it and if I can't read somebody's like facial expressions and social cues I'm gonna go a completely wrong direction with a conversation <laughs> so how is this conversation gonna go for you then let's get into some good stuff that you can't yeah, read my yeah, social well, cues and it's and it's extremely dangerous too because my wife just left the camper we're, we're camping this week so uh, my wife just left the camper so i have nobody to make faces no at me filter. if i'm saying something inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly one of the my favorite things about sturbridge it not just you yourself but you are a huge part of that um i first met you i think in ohio and you were kind of gathering people together of sorts you, at, the, at the early stages of the Sturbridge, Massachusetts Tattoo and Arts Festival. Yeah. You were going out, and, and the reason it's so good, actually, is because you were going out and you were finding not people that were just good artists or even great artists, but you were looking for cool people that were great artists. Some fun. You want to have some fun. Is it, yeah. And we did. God damn. Yeah, we've, uh, done some, we've done some stupid things in the name of having fun. <laughs> yes you expect i don't know is it you expect you feel like you saved our lives still don't you in ohio from well from be, at least being bored i saved you from being <laughs> bored maybe well we were all not being bored and ready to go dance around friend style inside of the fountain and people yeah. started taking clothes off uh it was a fugate danny fugate jumps inside of the, the fountain i start taking my shoes off because i'm kind of a prude and i'm like oh, i need to be careful with my phone uh, and so yeah. i'm rolling up my socks and joe you're over there pissing in the fountain well i you know it it was kind of chilly it was nighttime it was kind of chilly <laughs> and you know i had uh -huh. to go and yeah. that fountain did look like more of a urinal than a swim area you know so then danny starts so charging, i'm not sure that, which is i'm not, not sure right that i read the situation entirely wrong <laughs> you know i think that i was no more wrong than anybody else who had been drinking excessively that night and thought they were brilliant you know <laughs> do you remember what your excuse was the next morning for why it was the perfect thing to do no i no <laughs> dude in my mind the theme song well and you weren't wrong but you were like there was a sign right by there that said like there was some kind of hundred dollar fine for swimming in the in the fountain like literally it was a sign oh, so i chased you out of the fountain didn't i <laughs> you chased this and you're like i saved you all from getting tickets you don't want to get stuck in ohio and you weren't wrong <laughs> you don't want to get in ohio and end up in their judicial system yeah well so, see i'm always yeah. thinking of other people <laughs> that same night we met soldier boy mm -hmm. kind of yeah he was getting kicked out of the hotel we were in wasn't he is that what yeah i remember i think i think that's what it was danny was cooler than us he got to hang with him but, well, but we didn't danny, danny was really good about like i don't even think that's the only time he happened to like step out a doorway and walk face first into a fun situation you know like just happened to be in the right place at the right time right moments earlier Danny is tempting a, a sexual misconduct charge by doing the um, mangina on the side of the street. We go yeah. into the hotel after he gets his clothes back on. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the mangina, that's where it's the full tuck. And you just put your hands together like you were, uh, who is that, Wild Bill or whatever in Silence of the yeah, Lambs? Yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I think that's where yeah. it comes from. And then you say, uh, would you fuck me? I'd yeah. fuck me. <laughs> So he's doing that, yeah. and then seconds later, runs into Soldier Boy, 
uh, and and comes off as like, no, nah, you're I'm the one you want to hang out with. Screw these losers. Yeah. Well, he he always had that southern charm too, Danny. Yeah. Is he southern? Uh, Tennessee boy. Really, I never caught it in his accent. It's a long time since I see him actually. Now, he, yeah. is he still tattooing? Uh, yeah, I believe he is. He he he's gotten a lot into to diving and diving instructor. He's, okay. he's like a certified instructor in diving. He goes to all these tropical locations. I actually did one of his dives. We dove in the Atlanta Aquarium with the uh, whale sharks, which is extremely entertaining. It's one of the most awesome aquariums. It's so big, isn't it? It's it's you know that giant Fucking view window that it has. Yeah. When you when you sign up to do the dive, you become part of the exhibit, so you can swim up to that window and see all these kids super excited that you're paying attention to them. It's so much fun. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. How, what uh, you've been diving for years, you got all kinds yeah. of different dive certifications. Am I wrong? Is there only? Two? Yeah, I'm not nearly as advanced as Danny is. Um, okay. But, you know, but I, I do thoroughly enjoy diving. I've done a lot of diving with, I've done shark dives. I've done seal dives. I, that particular dive, I got run over by a whale shark in Atlanta with, with Danny. Run that over by? What's oh, that yeah. like? Well, it, it's like kind of getting hit by a bus underwater. Uh-huh. <laughs> you think that it's going to be soft, soft, but it's not. It's, it's no. a rock hard thing that happens to be about 30 feet long. That just, it's going to go right. whether you're in the way or not, you know? Yeah. It hit, so I just, hit you I like 10, 20, down the side of it. 20 miles an hour or something like that. What's it, what's it going? Oh, well, I, I don't, they seem like they're pretty, pretty slow and gentle moving. I don't, I don't know of an exact speed, but, um, I was, I was looking the wrong direction apparently. Cause I was, my, my son had gone with me on the dive. So I was watching him ascend, um, you know, cause he's a younger, mm-hmm. newer diver. So I'm watching him come down and I wasn't paying attention behind me. And he just kind of like, flipped out a little bit and then swam back up to the top. And I'm like, where's he going? What's wrong? Maybe it's something wrong with his gear. And right. then it just boom, 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 all the way down the side of this whale shark. And after the dive, I'm like, you know, what, what was that all about? And he's like, oh, I just, I was looking at you. And then I saw this giant thing with its mouth open, just coming up out of nowhere behind you. And I'm like, you're supposed to warn me. And like that's the yeah. whole point of yeah. buddy diving is it try to save the other person. Not like, Oh, it's just, Go ahead and take him. I'm getting away, you know. <laughs> so it, you put it on him. That way, you wouldn't look like too much of a novice. He's the well, novice. There's no way you can have eyes in the back of your head, but yeah. <laughs> no. Well, you could put those little bicycle reflector mirror things. I should, yeah. I should add something. <laughs> what I should have done is just done what I was supposed to do and get down to the bottom as fast as possible. You know, right. I shouldn't have. Like, You're in awe at the, the moment. Of the tank. At how cool it is, right? Is that yeah. what it is? You're like, my son, we're diving in this awesome place. Yeah. Bonding moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, come then, away and then with, he left and then he hung yeah. out to dry. <laughs> Literally threw you under the whale bus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we did. But I that's, think it's like that. Make life fun, whether you're in a fountain in Ohio or or you're in a, a fish tank in Atlanta, you know, things it's not always going makes. perfectly is is what makes life so much fun. Yep. I'm, um, you're, you're not mistaken at all. That's possibly the best part. You, you made a, a Kool-Aid, a solution of a, a mixture. I don't know, uh, in Sturbridge that was the most fun conducive. I mean, we do show my wife and I, especially we're, we're doing shows all the time. Um, but I was the most fond memories of Sturbridge. And on that note, uh, we are making it back this year. We've made it a priority. Uh, we're I talking with other friends from the Wayback Club to try and make it a priority too. And uh, we'll see if it's the same, you know, we're, yeah. we're, I'm, I'm probably expecting to be a little bit let down. Like 
they're going to have the the pool, that beautiful, beautiful pool. They'll probably have it like a, a good temperature <laughs> that you can stand to be in instead yeah. of having blue lips when you're like, I like this pool. Maybe the hot tub won't be filled with foam for some reason, whatever made that foam. You don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and the stories, I think I've talked about Sturbridge before with some of my, like I had Carl on here. We were talking about um, the pizza gangbang, pizza delivery guy gangbang. That, that oh, happened two, year, in two years in a row. Two years in a row, that guy. Like, I wanted to get a pizza delivery job after his, <laughs> after those stories. Was it this? Well, he also probably ended up with bumpy lip and, and, and a textured dick, but yeah, he, yeah, uh, well, I didn't know it happened twice a in a row. For everything. Was it the same delivery guy, you think, too, or no? Oh, I I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, and and you it's know a how, small like, town. It could be. Yeah. It very it very well could be. Yeah. It it just uh, you know, like I I'm more confident in the first year story than I was the second year story because you know at conventions how the rumor mill goes okay. crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I I talked to people that were directly knowledgeable about the first year's events. So I know the first year the pizza guy literally delivered a pizza answered the door to like a naked girl who was like hey come on in yeah you know and yeah. and that's stuff you only you only read about in penthouse if you if you still read penthouse which i'm not sure anybody <laughs> at all <does>, but <laughs> right it's the stuff they only try to make in in some kind of a porn hub yeah video. yeah it's it's the stuff teenage fantasies are made of you know right can you i dude i i used to have a paper joke and i was like <laughs> i will ditch this paper out at any time if some hot mom wants to take me in and fucking pay her pay her 50 cent bill yeah <laughs> i'm sure that pizza guy was like man that was the greatest night of my life until i got home my wife well, was the, mad. the one the one weird thing about the story for me that kind of i think strays away from my own version of the teenage fantasy was the fact that it was the one girl who answered the door but i think there was one or two gentlemen standing behind her also naked Right. So it yeah. was, the, the the ratios were different than I would have imagined it. But, <laughs> right. You know, everybody's got their own thing. So, yeah, you don't uh, hope to into. walk into a gangbang. So which is, you hope to have somebody that you that is just receiving of you that wants you. Well, yeah, that but, would be cool. That would be cool. You know what I mean? Or have it be more about you, not just like the, yeah. some girl that's like, hey, I need one more guy. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't have enough of. Oh, God. <laughs> there's yeah. something that yeah, i've got cool. i've got three inputs and only two you know guys sitting here waiting to go so uh yeah because i guess actually at one point it's not even a gangbang so like it wasn't yeah. possibly was not a gangbang until the pizza guy showed up am i wrong no what are the what are the rules like menage a trois three, I gotta figure three is a menage a trois right so it's right. four and then technically a gangbang or do you have to jump up to five and if so what's the four then i, I would say it's four I would say it's four. I don't. I mean, as okay. long as it's not two couples, as long as it's it's the one of one sex and then three of another. We need All we right. need more clarification on this. I, well, actually, wait. also while you're researching that, Kyle, for your <laughs> podcast, yes, uh, if you could find out how many people are required to achieve bukkake, because did, <laughs> was that achieved that weekend? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't. We didn't. I do know the girl that was reported to have um, uh, hosted. Is the, yeah. the gangbang? Is that our hostess? The hostess yeah. <laughs> of the gangbang was working with uh, some tattoo model kind of agency thing. Not the hottest tattoo model agency thing, but a tattoo model agency kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. her, um, at the time, remember the fashion was that you would put like bootylicious 
on your shorts. And I didn't mm-hmm. she have something like that? Like I think she had juicy. Juicy, her, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, and then all weekend she wore the same shorts, and it was so gross to think about just how juicy that was. Yeah. Now you got to remember too, Kyle, that you you can't get into the body shaming. That particular model agency was more about woman empowerment than, uh, than fitting stereotypes and yeah. things like that. But yeah, and but I'm I not. That, I don't believe. Just, I'm just like saying. like any group, any group that attends uh, convention after convention after convention, a lot mm-hmm. of times there's a lot of tattooing and then a lot of drinking and things yeah. go sideways. <laughs> oh, I don't mean to, to body shame. I only mean to temper the um, expectations of my viewing of my listening audience. <laughs> you're trying to, you're trying to ruin you know, the fantasy as much as yeah, I have by throwing out okay. radios. Right. Right. I guess I should have just left it like that. Like it was some burning angel type actor or, or model. Yeah, now or I'm not going to be able to get anybody to go to next year's tattoo convention. <laughs> well, every year has gotten better and better. Mm. I, I know and, this and because I've always I stated that's because of the, the last few years. So mm. I know it wasn't like at least your attendance is getting better. Look who's not showing. Yeah, no, no, not at all. I, we we have up and up years and down years. Um, I I always attribute it to the like how much fun it is to the people that go. Like everybody's always mm. complimented. Like what a great convention. Um, how much fun this is. And it it really if it was just me sitting in a room, it really didn't have much of a draw. It, it's because of all <laughs> of the incredible people that that like show up for one reason or another. Some people just come for the, the, the memories and the laughs and other people show up because they, they can make good money tattoo in there. You know, Massachusetts um, is good. And stir, but explain Sturbridge to me. You got, you and your wife are thinking about a place to put, to start a tattoo convention and yeah. you settle on Sturbridge. Every time I mentioned that to someone from Massachusetts, I'm like, yeah, every year I go to Sturbridge. They're like, what to Sturbridge village or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, we started, is, in, we started in Worcester, which, mm-hmm. Paul Booth, um, with some promoters, had put on the Tattoo the Earth in Worcester. I think that it was a couple of years. Um, and then it just kind of went away. You know, we didn't we didn't mm-hmm. have anything there. So after a little hiatus in my area, which is central Massachusetts, we had the Boston Convention. And back then, there still wasn't, like, a convention every weekend somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. So I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to have something, but do it kind of small, like like an old-school-type convention where – you know, we don't have, you know, a thousand booths and this and that. So we've always kind of purposely kept it small so that we can, everybody can kind of hang out with each other. Well, in Worcester, we had that same problem where, where it leads to things that like we did in Ohio or, um, you know, I can think of some stories in Pennsylvania and probably a few other states that are me and you have <laughs> yeah. wandered around. Thunder in the, the valley. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I so, learned that I shouldn't, I shouldn't be out with people. Sometimes somebody threatened us with a gun and I started to get all like, well, fucking pussy. Why are you, why are you pulling a gun out? You're fighting. And like, no, nah, that's the wrong reaction. Uh, I did just kind of beeline into a, a clubhouse for a particular group of, of uh, bikers and, and decided that I belong there, even though I was too drunk to, to notice that they were, you know, trying to tell me that I shouldn't be there. So right. In the know. most unpolite of terms by brandishing yeah. weapons. Yeah, but you're but not see, supposed that, to be that's here. Kind of the, that's kind of the stuff that happens at a tattoo convention, right? You tattoo all day long. You, you know, some people will go out to dinner mm-hmm. afterwards. Some people will go out to a bar or a nightclub. Some people go out to a strip joint. Everybody's got their different taste on what what they want to do to blow off steam after working that many hours. And yeah. it, everybody separates around, you know. And then at like three in the morning, you know, everybody kind of filters back to the hotel and and causes a ruckus and gets yeah. nonstop complaints and. After it's the a party, it's the hotel lobby, right? 
Yeah. So, so that's why R Kelly, but to quote R Kelly, (laughs) I wound up, I wound up just, I found a a big enough hotel to host uh, the amount of people that we expect and to have some fun. And there's really not a lot to do over there other than to hang out and get to know each other and to to spend some time with each other. I host a a party. Yeah. I host (laughs) a party where where I buy all the grandparents take their children to try and get them interested in their great grandparents' lives. <laughs> like, no, we'll go to this awesome place. There's no Wi-Fi, kids. It's going to be fun. <laughs> You're going to yeah. churn butter. They're like, this fucking sucks. What are you talking about? <laughs> but take me to future world. Yeah, future world. No, this, we, we have past world in Massachusetts. We, we <laughs> look back. We don't look forward. <laughs> right. Well, you must with them social programs. Somebody's trying to look forward. Yeah, we're trying to make it okay. Your civil engineering is not forward thinking. I'll say that. <laughs> that your road system is is one of the most archaic and old. Are you guys fixing that up or not? No, I think we're adding we're adding more rotaries or, or roundabouts wherever you're from. However you say that. Right on. Yeah, rotaries, roundabout. I like. Yeah, we're just we're just adding more of those. Okay, but they they make more sense. Less less cost of a of a stoplight, right? And more autonomy. I like them because, like, if you think you get through it just fine, and every <laughs> once in a while you see them idiots, they're like, "Oh no, it's a circle. What do I do?" <laughs> well, you've always been a huge fan of, of natural selection, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why I like the rotary. Right? Yeah. The same with like, yeah. I hate my car dinging at me, reminding me to put my seatbelt on. Because, like, listen, I'll wear it, but or maybe not. Let me die. I don't care. But some idiot out there is going to wear it, and he's out there causing problems. He probably should die in the car accident. Save us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you not a fan of so- natural selection then? Oh no, I'm a huge fan. I've, I think I've told you before. I'd love to bring back dangerous toys like Easy Bake Ovens and and things like yes. that. I, I, Get I rid wanna, of helmet I bring back the toys where 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 the not so smart kids got hurt because I felt that was a big part of their learning. Here's this irony. Okay, I, I agree with you on some major levels. Yesterday, however, I'm I'm riding around on my bike with my granddaughter. Did you get Did you get hurt by an otherwise simple toy? no but my granddaughter's like head completely got saved by the helmet she had on okay the same day um i'm talking with somebody and they're like oh i remember we never wore helmets and i started going over like my cracked tooth my scar in the middle of my forehead and i'm like yeah i don't know this is a tough one for me natural selection (laughs) yes i love my granddaughter however yeah i don't want i don't want her to have the same scars on her face that i do yeah, but those scars have taught you things, Kyle. Don't rob your granddaughter of lessons. Oh man, that's it. Isn't that that dangerous slippery slope there? It sure is. It sure is. <laughs> and I also don't want to minimize people that have have had like tragic things happen to accidents outside their control and stuff. And a lot of you know things like that are just not not nice for people to go through. Of course, like yeah, I would have felt horrible making all these jokes if if your granddaughter had actually gotten hurt. You know? <laughs> yeah, then I, I pull it out like yeah, she's. Her lips split completely down. She's going to have a scar down the middle of her forehead. Thanks. No, ironically, I don't know if it's ironic. Minutes before that, though, she pro- she got to prove her toughness because um, I'm not a good partner, I guess, to swing with either. As a, as a grandfather, I have a blast, but uh, sometimes I, I need to be corrected. I, I don't, but my granddaughter takes it upon herself, and she'll try to, like, give me a little slap. It's a cute, never never trying to hurt me. Well, she was on the swing set and then she, I'm pushing her. And so she's like, whatever grandpa. And she reaches back to slap me. 
And just then she's the momentum's going the opposite way. Dude, she does this perfect front flip or back flip actually into a, into an almost gymnast land, except most of what was on her face. But so at least that bit of natural selection, she got her, her lesson learned. She got to learn yeah. a lesson there. She oh, might've still, she might've still been in shock actually when she fell down on the bike. No, no tears whole time. Super. Proud. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that a lot of, a lot of my bumps and bruises and cuts and scars have, have led to me maybe making slightly smarter choices. You know, now instead of jumping into fountains, I just pee in them. Yeah. Is that, was that your life lesson that you passed down to us that night? Then? Yeah. Yeah. You see, sometimes I've learned to do slightly less stupid things, but uh, I think you just got, you're <laughs> angry at Chandler and God, I don't know their fucking names, <laughs> but all of them on, on the, on the show friends and, on friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all of us, we were like, that was our moment. We heard the theme song start. Well, geez, didn't it take Ross long enough to make a move, you know? Ross. <laughs> yes. Right. Is that who you see yourself as? On Friends, who are you? This is a good question. I should probably ask everybody. Oh, man. Can we combine a couple of characters? Because I feel uh -huh. like I'm probably uh, a combination of, uh -huh. of Ross and Joey, maybe. Okay. Because I'm not, I'm not really as smart as Ross, but like quirky, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, but I also I feel... don't want to put myself down as kind of like as dumb as Joey. <laughs> I, follow, I follow, but you're somewhere in the middle of the two. Huh? Yeah. I got you. I, I always I'm feel like I'm more of a I'm Phoebe Chandler. Chandler. Oh, really? I'm, no. Chandler. I'm a Phoebe Chandler, I think. Okay. I, I don't even know, actually. I, I've, I've literally never watched this sh to a, a completion. I've like caught bits of episodes and never, I don't know. I think there was something about it just like, like, like you were saying yourself, you're like, you, you know, these moments in your life that you're like, you see other people take part in and you don't want to you like, you have an aversion. So like the iPhone, you're like, no, I've somehow purposefully for no reason avoided it. Same with friends. Yeah. Well, I like how you still like you, you bring it up though. You, you like want me right down into friends there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I didn't have any time for friends. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. You asked me to identify with some of the characters that you have no idea who no, they are. So you yeah. can just kind of be like, Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Even though you've never watched it. <laughs> Yeah, and I even say it should be a part of my like a, a segment almost. That is pretty stupid of me. I should <laughs> I should do Sex in the City instead. Who would you be if Wait, you Wait, no, no, tell me that's one that you've watched. No, I haven't. <laughs> Not a are you do, are you doing it to me again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. I I'd like to call that the Halo. Okay. The Halo Jankowski. <laughs> that's what I'm calling that one. When you when you have popular reference, I remember one time I was talking to Halo and uh, he I was explaining this movie I love by Guillermo del Toro, and I was asking him if he'd seen it. He's like, I really don't watch movies because you know he doesn't watch movies. And then I'm like explaining the the thing to him, and I look up at his banner, and he's got a portrait. You know, he does all movie stuff. He's yeah. got a portrait of the uh, of the horror guy in there with his hands on his face that had the eyeballs and whatever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's that it's that what you told me he's like yeah i just did the tattoo i didn't know i thought it was a cool thing i found it on google <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll call i call that when when you uh, have the popular culture reference but you have no yeah no no it. relation to it yeah so sorry i don't know i i I, I, I don't know how that leaves you though doesn't that doesn't being a tattooer just kind of like suck you into that void anyway though because you're dealing with so many people that have so many different interests and backgrounds yeah. 
and you can't yes. you can't chase them all down. I've done plenty of Buddhist tattoos, but never taken the time to to become a Buddhist. You know, <laughs> right? Well, I don't I, know I, if you I, have to become one, do you? There's no uh, initiation I, ceremony for that. I feel like when I was younger, I did more research into my subject matter than I do now. Now they yeah. like, especially now, like there's so many tattoos tattoos that are getting done with like um, uh, anime and manga and all kinds of things that I'm not at all familiar with, and I feel that I'm just too old to really start looking into. So mm -hmm. they bring me the they, they bring me a picture, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool and weird, and you just tattoo it, you know what I mean? And they, they yeah. start telling you all their deep connection to this particular character, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't like his hair, you know, like I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't have any meaning to. I follow. Did did it, you think it actually did it ruin any of your heroes like that too? So I feel like I'm lost on Star Wars. I don't care for it anymore. But I don't know oh, if really? that was because of the tattooing look. Yes, like no. See, I I enjoy. There's been Star two Wars. good episodes of Star Wars, and the rest of them can can suck my butt. <laughs> well, I have an overwhelming amount of Star Wars toys and and art and things like that in my shop, so. I can't you lie have to like and it. say I'm not a Star Wars fan. I, I absolutely am a big Star Wars fan. Well, at one point um, you I get so invested that you can't I'm be not. anything but? Well, I can't be anything but the uh, Star Wars fan? Yeah, because you're so invested at one point. What if they just came out with a crap movie like, say, The Force Awakens? And then and then you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck, well, I already have this all these paintings. Like you have beautiful well, they, they do they do continually add movies that maybe kind of like bring your expectations up and down right like like a lot mm -hmm. of people were disappointed with the movie solo and things like that but mm -hmm. i look at them as their individual entertainment value you know okay like uh, like i was talking with uh brian soldano you know him he, he works with me oh, over I love him. he's tattooed my oh, neck oh he's fantastic well, he's my, my, uh, traps. yeah he's 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 a huge star wars fan as well so we we go back and forth on our debates, and he was a huge fan of the Mandalorian series, which I was too. Um, and then when they came out with the the book of Boba Fett, he became like completely disenfranchised with it because uh -huh. it felt like it was just a Mandalorian show. And I'm like, well, it it kind of is. It's it's just the background right. story of that right. character on the Mandalorian, you know, like. So because he had an expectation, he was disappointed. But I can kind of keep my expectations just to, hey, I hope I'm entertained, you know? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, don't I follow. Read into, like how it fits into my overall view of the Star Wars universe, you know? And that's an irony because I don't take that approach, but yet I find the way that, that you're explaining Brian's necessity of it to have, you know, to all fit into this great canon of, that's part that I hate almost. You know what I mean? I'm also to where I'm just like, I give a fuck, you know, some, some movies people want to explain that they were good because of other movies or other like, well, the reason that's a cool part is because it references this thing that you wouldn't know about unless you read the comic book and you're like, or you want to watch the, the cartoon series on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but fuck that. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> I didn't show up for that. Like, like uh, the force awakens was the last one I could watch that I paid for. Okay. And then some other people made me wait, watch, I think the Rogue One or something. They made and, you. Did that involve duct tape? How did that happen? I, my, I was over there. And I was like, and he was like, hey, we got this on HBO and uh, my son-in-law. And he imagined that I was a fan. I was like, oh, that's fine. Don't pay for it on my behalf or whatever. Because it was <laughs> on the pay. And I was like, no, like, do not. Like, because I am not interested. And I don't know how he took that as the opposite. But then he had paid for it. And I was like, listen, if I'm watching as he's paying for, it, I'm like, listen, if you're, if you're going to do, I am going to watch, but I can't tell you, I'm not going to 
I'm going to tear it to shreds or I'm going, you know, I'm going to have a very skeptical eye and watching that one with my lack of suspension of disbelief. Now is just like, sometimes the motive just never fits. Like what, who does that? And it, when they don't make the hero, it's always the force is the hero. Like when these guys suck at their job <laughs> to be a hero, they don't make hero choices. They just get lucky. And they're like, oh, like, like in Force Awakens, we're like, man, if we just knew where that girl was now that Rhea or whatever her name, now that we know that she's so awesome, if we just knew where she was and they look out, she's just now climbing out of her hiding spot that we don't even understand why she ever hid in. Like, there's no explanation why she's like, oh, I'm inside of this building now. That's what I want to do. Now I'm going to hide. So, wow. so you don't feel that you're like, overanalyzing the small unnecessary details I, do, I know that i am and it's taken it like i'm down to the point where i'm like where the fuck is osha right <laughs> yeah you know and they're like wh where is the the regulations listen you got kylo ren i hear he's a bad guy and you got han solo and i hear he's a shitty father and they're on two ends of a fucking precipice of death on either end and and han's like yeah i, I hear you kind of got a little bit misguided but boy i'd like to reunite with you you mind if i walk out on the little passage of death like that hey come over here son <laughs> right <laughs> like come over to the area that isn't surround and where's the railings like in Michigan, you can't have a railing uh, that spindle that is any um, bigger than eight inches because you could get a kid's head in that and they could get stuck and then die inside of the railing in, in, your, in your patio. And stuff. so it's like an OSHA law. Like where is OSHA? I guess it's because they're building, are, the re are they rebels? No, they're an alliance, right? So they should be the ones following codes. The rebels get away with shitty building because they're rebels. They're saving money. They don't yeah, have the they're time. saving money. They don't have the time. They don't have to go into the obligation. So the Empire yeah. didn't put enough warning labels on things and, <laughs> and put enough. I think the up. Empire would have more legal reason. They'd be like, no, you, that's not even handicap accessible. Not, not only did they not put covers over all their outlets, they had that giant arc <laughs> beam that flew through the center of the, the, <laughs> the Death Star. And that's why it led to the destruction and doom. All those things. Like, first off, we see that they, they don't make it. Like, like, didn't they go back and they made it into a room? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't learn from the mistake. Oh, I guess they did learn from the mistake, actually, because these movies were shown to us backwards, weren't they? So they made, in the future, they made the nuclear reactor actually smaller. Am I right on that? The nuclear reactor? Like, well, like the, the, the thing that powered made, the no, Death when Star. They made the, when they made the Death Star? Yeah, because it was only two meters the size of a wombat or whatever. We used to shoot them all the time on fucking yeah, well, that was the whole, or whatever. That was the hole that he had to get his little his little laser blaster that can bend down around corners. Yeah, he had but to in get the that prior movie, hole. it was it, that whole little hole was actually one big room that they had a huge fight inside of, right? Yeah, it, it, not necessarily a, a prior movie, but a pre or a post movie. That was shown to us in the backwards order. I don't know. Oh, All yeah. that's a big rip off of the fortress, right? I think I feel like you're trying to get me to not be a Star Wars fan now, Kyle. <laughs> it is, you were very it's probably it, the I worst mean, part about no, me. nobody ever. First of all, nobody ever did better to do a podcast than you, and two, no better name for a podcast that you are going to do because we started <laughs> talking about my convention, and we are so far off topic now. It's yes. insane. We're talking about we're talking about Star Wars, and I'm not even sure I'm a fan of it anymore. Good. Yes. You, you were, you've changed my views on everything. <laughs> okay. Well, then, uh, I don't know how do we, we don't want to change your view on Sturbridge, actually. You still like that place. <laughs>
you're not planning on moving it to a big, huge, thriving metropolis out there. No. <laughs> Yeah. No, not yeah, at I, all. And, and, and no, I I, like I said, I, I like I like the the intimacy that it, that it gave us putting putting the convention and keeping it small. Like I said, we, there's a lot of bigger shows, and some of the biggest problems we've had with our show um, have been because bigger, bigger, more powerful entities kind of come in and 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 overshadow it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's hard to stay a small fish on purpose. You know. Yeah. Um, it's like but, a dance floor out there and there's a lot of uh, toes getting stepped on. And sometimes yeah. if you're small, nobody even cares if they step in. No, exactly. Right. And we've, we've had that happen to us several times over the years. We've been, we, we did, um, I think 14 years so far we were, we've been off for the last three. Um, we had COVID and then my wife got sick. She's been in recovery. Um, so this upcoming year, 2023 is kind of like a reunion tour for us now. Good time to get some press out for it. Yeah. That's what I'm going to act like this is. Yeah. <laughs> like there's that many people that are listening. Actually, I hope somebody is listening, especially around Massachusetts. And if, if I mean, most people know about Sturbridge only because of that Sturbridge village, right? Well, the, the, I think locally, yeah, there's, there's some good barbecue out there too. <laughs> oh, there's a good uh, sushi joint right down the way. There's, yeah. um, you took us out to that. Uh, there's a real good fancy restaurant out there too. Yeah, and there, there's a um, there's a big event the 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 uh, Brimfield Fair or the Brimfield Flea Market that that goes on every year. It's like a big antique kind of thing. I forget how many acres. It's like twenty acres or something um, of just all different antique vendors and Mike and, and Frank market type thing. What's that? Mike and Frank show up. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever seen them, but it, like I said, it's pretty big. So they could be in there somewhere, but they do that, I think, three or four times a year. And that kind of draws a lot of people out to that area, to the Sturbridge, Brimfield area. It makes sense. Because how old is the, I mean, civilization out there started, right? Isn't that where the dawn of man was? <laughs> yeah. You know, the, um, I don't think, I, well, I mean, we, we definitely, we, we definitely have like roots back to the pilgrims, right? But mm-hmm. um what where they actually spread out around massachusetts i'm not sure but you you are right that they there is that i mean but we're not the only place that does stuff like that you've got uh, mystic connecticut has one of those seaports it's basically the same as old sturbridge village where the you can go in and see how the old-timey blacksmiths yeah. would make the chains and well, we and have one here too stuff. actually uh crossroads village but we just learned about the railroad oh about the railroad okay <laughs> and churn and butter of course you can't yeah. Can't get away from the turning of the butter. <laughs> what well, what would be your favorite part about Sturbridge? I, I know it wasn't the gangbang because I, I don't think <laughs> you were one of the three or four guys that were in that room. No, I think that part scares the most. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just becomes that like beautiful legend, though, that, that has to live on. My favorite part is, number one, your ability to amass cool people. Uh, for such a mass hole, you have an ability to find cool people. I don't know if, if maybe that means that I like mass holes yeah. or maybe you're looking for people different than your own yourself or your, maybe, but, maybe I just go out and I look to make sure that I am the least tolerable person in the room. Yeah. Okay. Find, find, find people that I, are more, more enjoyable to be around than I am. And then well, I, I got to do, uh, a, um, I met Matt Clemmer there. I met Kyle Cotterman there. Uh, amazing met, people. Uh, both Steve amazing Taft there. That was the first mm-hmm. time I ever met Steve. Um, it goes on to win Ink Master, you know, uh, but 
also my favorite is you always have some kind of awesome entertainment and local stuff. Like we have break dance in there. Um, yeah. And I don't know, I guess there's another to say about the trophies because you fucking go all out on these trophies. Bro. Well, my favorite was the, the samurai warrior ones. Oh, that, yeah, that, those were fun. Um, I think what I do with that to, is to just be different because the, the contests have always been a huge source of like disdain for me. I think as mm-hmm. the, the promoter, you know, whereas like they're, they're one of the easiest ways for the promoter to kind of make money. Right. Because everybody wants to win an award. So you can have people, thousands of people enter your contests and the, you just keep adding categories and you keep adding and you places, charge it for every, you know, like, I can't, I don't know when it switched over that there's now like three to five different places for tattoo of the day. You know what I mean? But I, I remember, I, I guess I'm just really old, but I remember tattoo of the day was just one person. It was the best tattoo done in that room. Should that day. they then be called tattoos of the day? Yeah. It'd be kind of like, uh, like almost winner, you know, <laughs> but I, yeah. almost the best tattoo that got done that day. But I think that, 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 that was kind of also an expectation of a much smaller show when you have, now you have thousands of tattooers in a room. Is it reasonable to only offer up one award? You know, right? Especially so, when there's so many different styles going on, and you're like, "Well, it's yeah. hard for that style to beat that style." But look how awesome that old yeah, and, it, and it all comes down to three judges who have opinions, right? It's not, yeah, it's not necessarily the best tattoo that won. It's the one that they related to the best, you know. Uh, yeah. So, and yeah, and then that for sure. Yeah, I can't. And, I can't. And do now, so, at the same time, my wife's a, a judge, and so I always have to. But the truth is, she is very cautious of those very. She's uber cautious of the very things that we're talking about. You know, there's sometimes there's even politics that 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 uh, oh, you yeah. see. And so she, if if you see my wife on the day, as you usually know, well, you know that that is being looked for stamped down yeah, and 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 she knows she knows probably just as well as i do if not better that that you're gonna have people that maybe uh felt they should have won that didn't and they're gonna throw temper tantrums about that <laughs> all the time you know? what the, the, you know, the number one thing is. any artist that ever has a problem with the tattoo the not winning do yourself a favor and don't be a fucking idiot. I'm going to talk a little bit rude to these kids that we're friends, uh, but don't be a fucking idiot and go to the judge and ask them why it didn't win until you saw what did win. Uh, every single oh, yeah. time someone comes up and they're like, well, you know, what did you think? I did that piece. You know, why didn't it win? And Candy's like, well, what do you think was better about the piece that did win? Oh, I didn't get to see it. I was tattooing. Well, then shut the yeah. fuck up. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, and it- like I do your work for you. You go do the work, go study your tattoo and then study the winning tattoo. Don't ask me to tell you something like I'm just. Yeah. And I've, I've put myself in some bad situations where like they'll feel the need to go up to me as the promoter. Um, you know, and you know that it's, it's mm-hmm. a fairly small show that both me and my wife kind of like fully More orchestrate. We, yeah. we finance it. We put it on. We don't have like a whole lot of help and we're not part of some big group and, and, and so like to have to like be distracted from like the flow of three to 5,000 people so that one guy can talk to you about the fact that he did not win a $10 bowling trophy. You know what I mean? Right. He so didn't I figured see. if I was, well, now was going to go through the stress of that. Mm-hmm. What's that? Now you've made it more, more likely though, that somebody will argue because you have this awesome looking samurai helmet uh, you know, full done up and all that is the trophy. Now I'm like, dude, why didn't it win? 
Well, and I, I, I think I find that I get less complaints. Really? I, it, yeah. yeah, it's gone the other way. Like the, the awards, we put we put more time into coming up with a theme. Like you said, we had that samurai year. We had the alien year where I actually made like an alien coming out of an egg. It is a giant, stupid thing that I thought would just be cool to display in your shop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and that's more of what it's about. I, I want the like the the awards to be something that like when you go into a tattoo shop, I have them. I, mean, I have probably about you know 60, 70 little trophies sitting there, and they're all kind of the same thing. Not really super impressive, you know. Right. But then you got that one award. You're like, whoa, where's that one come from? You know. And then, so I always kind of try and imagine what that award would look like. And yeah, a big helmet or, or, uh, you know, something along that lines. We've done all kinds of weird things over the years. We had the, the aliens sitting there waving high. <laughs> Are you doing you know? a star Wars theme one then? I have not done a star Wars theme when I try to stay away from stuff that, that I'm going to get into trouble with copyright law. Really? So, yeah. So we wanted to do like a, like a, uh, the 13th year we were thinking of doing like a Friday the 13th and doing all the horror movies, but we tried to do it in a way that, um, we couldn't get in trouble for stealing stuffing or, or using Michael Myers image and stuff like that. So we were trying to reimagine our own monsters and it just, we didn't have enough time to pull off what we wanted to pull off. So we kind of like put that in the back. Well, um, a lot of times they consider that to be fan art. But uh, and even they allow an amount of it to be sold. You know what I mean? Like we know yeah. friends that do those mashups of like they'll take a Jason Voorhees and they'll they'll mash him up with a Freddy Krueger or something as one yeah. character, and then like something that would piss off the trademark lawyers for sure. But it exists, and and then they go to conventions and they sell it. That's like a Terry Huddleston. You know, it, he it's all fan art. But it their argument is that it actually increases the awareness of the product. And so it yeah. helps the industry. And there's always been this kind of gray area where yeah. it's been overlooked at comic cons and tattoo conventions. You don't think that your trophy would qualify as that kind of gray area. I think, I think that just the, over the years of doing it, you know, being, being into it for almost what, like miss about 18 years or so that, that I just don't want to deal with any more headaches that I've caused myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I've, I've dealt with them, you know, and, and like I was saying, the, the, the less people complaining about the contests, the better, you know, so we don't have, you know, like we do first place. And then for a lot of the contests, we'll do an honorable mention. So we have like basically like a first and second place. So because I feel with the amount of artists we have, we usually do what about 150 artists there. So that's a fair thing. Like when you win, you know that you've won. And nine times out of 10, almost everybody is cool enough in that room to agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I would have picked them too, or, you know, things like that. So it, I think it's a little bit more uh, intimate, you know what I mean? Like everybody in that room pretty much knows everybody in that room now, you know, because mm -hmm. you have a lot of the same artists that keep coming. Every once in a while we get some new guys in. Every once in a while we get some somebody that's going to cause a problem, you know, but. Have we had part, problems? What's the funnest thing that's happened? What's the worst thing? We had a couple artists that got drunk during the contest and decided to start heckling the ah. judges while the contest was going on. They didn't, they didn't come back the following year. <laughs> Were they just telling them they didn't like their judging? I mean, there's nothing really. Pretty much like, oh, you would know, you don't know a tattoo. You don't, you know, like you have no idea what you're talking, you know, and I'm like, dude, you trashed. Like, as, as you know. they were, as the contestants were walking past or something. I, oh I yeah. Just don't oh yeah. Right. While everything's going on, you know, like, <laughs> and, and meanwhile, I'm like mortified. I'm like, what is this? And like, what, why, why do I have to deal with this right now? You know? 
Right. You, right. you get all constant curveballs that you don't, you know, and, and having like as much, you know, of a good time party going on afterwards. You know, we do a lot of you. You've seen us. We do a lot of running around. I staff my own security so that we can make sure everybody has fun but stays safe. So that's an yes. like an all night adventure. You know, and your security is awesome in that respect. I feel like you you staffed it, and you must have told these guys, "You're like, listen, these are a bunch of tattoo artists. They like to fucking cut loose." Yeah. Uh, you talk have, to the hotel fun, managers, and you're like, "Hey, put us down here at this wing." <laughs> in the because yeah. you don't want kids uh, being around us while we're because we're gonna be partying and then you open up the presidential suite and that's a huge fucking yep. party all night long well i find it better like i said it, it you know like you mentioned we i've kind of worked with the hotel to not spread us all over the place so that if we're gonna be a ruckus we're gonna be all in one end of the hotel you know yeah. and not bother other people that aren't necessarily into it or even tattoo artists that are like you know i'm too old for this shit i want to go to bed <laughs> yeah you know, they can just get oh, a room on the other end of the hotel and stay away from the good time. And then um, having the party in the in the presidential suite, it's just something I, I want to thank everybody for being there. You know, so I buy yeah. all the booze. I stock the bar. I get a bartender, you know, and it, at the, the good times that happen and all the, like the 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 CeeLo games and everything else that happened. That's that's the people that show up. How I did was kind of put booze in a room, you know, and like. <laughs> One yeah, other everybody else is do. there. That's why those parties are so much fun. There, yes. And, and I guess now I'm actually thinking a lot about it right now because that was the first place that I ever talked to Lyle Tuttle and like was able to uh, listen to, to his stories. And, uh, and even though there's a party going on, loud ass party, I was able to hear with great detail all about life in, in uh, San Francisco during, you know, Lyle's time as a tattoo artist. Man, fuck that, yeah. that. Let's talk. You, I miss, let's talk I miss my dogs with good him friend. so much. Yeah, yeah, he 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 really was. He was he he was he was really as close to like a, a mentor as I've ever had, and and just a you know for, the, for people at me. home, explain Lyle Tuttle and, and a bit of his career, if you would. Well, he he was able to celebrate. They had a uh, a seventy year retrospective for him a couple of years before he passed. I'm Rolling Stone or. What's that? I, on the Rolling Stone or something? I know he was the first non-rock oh, no. and roll on he, person. He on has, the he has many credits. He was many credits uh, under his name there. Like Rolling Stone put an, did an obituary for his dog when his dog passed away. Like he was <laughs> he was very in tune. Like that he was on he was featured on like one of their Christmas cards. So like you can imagine if you were you were cool enough to get a Christmas card from Rolling Stone. Well, it had Lyle Tuttle naked on it. So like they, he was just really kind of. Uh, and for people listening at home that don't, it's if you uh, you have seen him before, you've seen Lyle, you probably don't know it. When you see a meme and it says, "How will my tattoos look when I'm 80?" and then it says, "Bad as shit" or "Cool as shit" or whatever, and, and it's I'm gonna look like one badass motherfucker. There's a naked picture of Lyle generally there, uh, yeah. hands over his junk, but full tattooed, head to toe. Um, well, see, not head to toe, like like collarbone to ankle. Collar. Ankle. okay yes tattooing your tattooing your feet and your hands and your neck were, were not a thing you know back then it was you know all kept within your clothes right i felt that he was slightly disappointed in me when i finally got my hand tattooed really yeah it was it's a portrait of him isn't it no no uh, on my hand it's uh it's uh hori mu it's um it's a buddhist god that was done on me by um takashi which you, you're also friends yeah. with takashi yeah. Yeah. His hand poked then. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had uh, my hand done with Tabori. Ancient uh, Japanese hand poking. And you had you have no interest in the Buddhist religion, but you have this Buddhist icon. Well, I, I I kind of had this this idea in my head for for getting tattooed. I wanted to have uh, the artist move in with me and and get to know me and then pick my tattoo. Okay. And, and that's so, what you did? Yeah, which I felt was like a little bit more of a traditional way of doing things. Whereas yeah. like, especially with like the Asian tattoos, there, there's a lot of imagery that has meaning so that they could put together imagery to tell a story much easier than we can now. It's like, you know, I want this butterfly, but I want it upside down on my wrist because it's for me. You know what I mean? Like, like their imagery, like a dragon said certain things, koi fish swimming upstream and, and the mm. color of it would be, an indicator. And, you know, so like there's all this fascinating stuff to the artwork for me. So I had Takashi come in who does traditional Japanese tattoos and he lived in my house, which we had a great time for, for a couple of months um tattooing then, at, a couple of months job. and then a shitty time for one month and then uh, we parted ways what <laughs> no 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 we had a we had a great time and then and then he decided what tattoo to give me which was for him you uh it's it's uh, a buddhist god of wisdom also known as kind of as i believe he's known as the immovable one he kind of sees one direction and uh okay you know this um, sounds like you He's kind of intimidating, although he's, you know, his goal is to to uh, spread the teachings of the Buddha, right? Um, yes. So maybe like good intentions, but not the best methods. Kind of sounds like <laughs> me a little bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I felt I felt really I felt this huge connection and reward with the tattoo yeah. after it was done because of the fact that somebody else picked the imagery based off of what they saw in my personality. So it, it was kind of like a way of getting some self-awareness through other people's eyes. And in my tattoo, it, he did it Tabori style. Was he doing Tabori style at your shop as well for other clients? Oh yeah. Okay. I know. Yeah, sometimes we, set up, we set up a platform at the shop form. We, as you know, we bring in guest artists all, all over the place uh, for that job. Which, you know? Let's do a plug for Zaza Inc because uh okay there's two of my favorite shops i've ever worked at and yours is one of them i, I like say, working at your say, shop you because say that to everybody you have on your podcast no with the other <laughs> is mark longenecker and that's because we got surfing at your shop oh, i'm man. busy full-time like people come in they they're they, they're like they have no idea that i've been on a tv show or to suck my they just sit down they get tattooed i'm making great money and uh and and then, oh, you've been on a TV show? Oh, fuck, yeah. I didn't even care. It's, it's awesome now to walk away, though, with that to add to my cool tattoo I did. And I, another person sitting in the chair ready to go. It's always a busy time in your shop, you know? Yeah, well, I've got a, I've got a really hardworking crew over there. And, and I, I run the place a little bit more business than than pleasure you know like we have we have, we hold by strict rules of how we're going to deal with our clients and things like that and yeah and that's I think the that worst that, part for me is, is it trying is, to it fit is. inside it's, it's, it's the hardest part for any artist isn't it it's it's the organization and the structure but yeah. you need organization and structure to have a business succeed so mm -hmm. because i run it as a business it's able to succeed for the artists and the artists are all able to make great money they're employed you know they get they get paid vacations and you know, sick time and and things like that. And are you doing so that? You're leading. That's like uh, you're really you're really doing that. Paid vacations. Oh yeah, yeah. They deserve it, don't they? Like they work. They work hard. You know. I don't know. Especially at my <laughs> shop. 
Oh, you know, and it was also like during the COVID shutdowns, all my guys collected unemployment. So they all stayed home and made, made good money, you know, for, for being home and staying safe. Right. Whereas most tattooers I know uh, weren't able to put any pennies together and, and were forced uh, to, yeah. you know, maybe go out and tattoo out of their garage. And, you know, my guys, they got to spend time safely at home with their families and collect for, for the money that they, right. they do all their taxes are paid and they've got unemployment and disability where I, I, I understood. I heard a lot of artists um, that were saying, Hey, we know how to deal with certain things because of our, uh, our roles in the, the of, of precautions, right. Of universal yeah. precautions. And then I saw them all buck though, the things that they should possibly be doing to help that, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm not going to wear a mask, but we know what to do. Uh, to help cut down on this kind of stuff. No, I won't wear them. I, I don't need to, you know, have my customers wear a mask either. In college, but, well, as, well, as you know, as you know, I've, I've wore a mask for decades before it was cool when I'm yes. doing tattoos because just the proximity of your hot bacteria filled breath to the brand new wound you're giving the client. Right. Mm -hmm. Plus I, I don't like sharing air with people because I don't like catching common colds constantly. So I would keep myself healthier too, by wearing the mask. So even present day at the shop, all of our employees wear masks um, and the customers it's optional because if you, if there's not everybody in Massachusetts is wearing a mask, you're not going to make everybody wear a mask, you know, but at okay. least, from our employee standpoint, all of our employees are masked up. Um, and we also kind of double check each other because a lot of those people are like, oh, I, just, I know what I'm doing and this and that. They're, they're wearing wife beaters or, you know, short shorts with their, you know, they're not really fully dressed. They got open toed shoes on, you know, so they you can say they want. Yeah, while they're tattooing, they're, they're okay, not yeah. like, they're not, you know, really kind of set up to be a clean and sterile environment. It's just because everybody is supposed to doesn't mean they do. And you know that you've worked in plenty of shops, I'm sure, where you can kind of walk around and go, ooh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guy hand me a tattoo machine to check out one time and it had Vaseline on the underside of it. Like it touched my palm. <laughs> like, I, uh, I mean, even when I when I got my forearm tattooed, the guy had stopped tattooing. He put the tattoo machine down on it on the pant leg of his jeans. And oh. then went into his pocket, took out some money to pay for his lunch, handed to the guy, and then went right back, picked up the machine, and started going on my arm. You know, <laughs> that's that's not uh, that's not proper contamination. <laughs> you know, what did, now you you being somebody who's very cautious like this, what did you say? Were you not, or I mean, you're not really in a position. He's tattooing you. So you must respect him too. So you're not trying well, to. I was, I was a bit rude, younger right? when that happened too. So like he was, he would have been doing it longer than me. And, yeah. You know, so I felt I it kind of like insulting for me to kind of go at him like, um, excuse me, you're doing that wrong. You know, <laughs> I had a guy that tattooed me that like he didn't think the tattoo was right unless the clip cord was dragging on top of her. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like he would, it was almost like he would bend the clip cord around in a, in a fashion that was comfortable for the way his hand was. But then it was guaranteed to be on your arm in the fresh wound of the tattoo he was working on. Yeah. You know, oh, he I also mean, I, wiped the lid of the garbage. I have no idea. It was like a, a, it was like he would throw the paper towel away, and the edge of the garbage he would wipe it with his hand. Why? <laughs> Every friggin' time. I don't know. And I was like enamored by him as an artist. So again, I wasn't saying anything. You know, like I yeah. and I wasn't even learning to tattoo at the time. Uh, I was just a, 
Oh no, I was, I just, I bought my first tattoo machine from him and then I was getting tattooed. I really felt honored about this whole process. He's got dreadlocks dragging onto the floor <laughs> and he's, he's wiping the edge of the thing. And then he's putting his clipboard on top of me. I was one of the few guys back in the day. You remember the slow progression to universal precautions. Some of these yeah. guys were real resistant. And I was one of the first guys that was like wrapping my cord up all the time. So it wouldn't touch anybody. And so it would just be generally more clean. And he was, and so uh, I'm watching somebody that, <laughs> you know, is doing the, exact opposite of what i try of what i yeah. preach and teach and yeah and uh, like you can like i had a guy that would that came into my chapter work for me for, for a while and and he would preach and and he would kind of like to call out everybody else on any cross-contamination that they might be doing or like hey you know you can't put that there or your paper towels are too close to this and okay and then i went over there once and i'm watching him tattoo and he was doing a fairly large piece and he was one of those guys that would get really close to the surface while he's tattooing. Oh. And then I look and he, he's tattooing up here and he had a bigger, longer beard, but it was kind of like gross. It was, it was oh. it, 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 to describe it, I guess the best way would be like big, long pubic hair coming off your face. Like it was just a gross beard. <laughs> it, wasn't, it was, it was it dragging well through the finished portion of the tattoo because he would work yeah. from bottom to top. Right. So he literally had his beard and his fat belly kind of up against this tattoo. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. And and for some reason that like just his beard hair touching mm -hmm. open skin like that was worse than the guy who put his his, you know, grabbed money with his gloved hand and then went right back to tattooing. <laughs> that didn't bother me nearly as much as this guy's pubic hair beard touching uh, open skin. <laughs> I, I can't name any names. <laughs> but there is an old timer that um he, he used to cut out his pinky and his ring finger out of his gloves so that he could <laughs> eat potato chips with those fingers while tattooing and this was his tattoo hand so he was still bridge handy on that, on that. <laughs> all terms possibly that nobody at home understands uh so well, that's one of my favorite things whenever i got to encounter like an old timer like you said like lyle and i were very close for for mm. many years um, I'd consider him one of, one of my best friends, but, um, I'd always ask an old timer, like, what was the biggest change in the industry that got you good or bad? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it was funny because I've had, I've met some really cool old people and, and like, what was the most annoying one? And he'd say, well, when we had to, when we had to change the setup for every tattoo, <laughs> this is when, you got, when you got the line of the Navy guys going out the door, you know, you could bang out all these little tattoos for $5, $5, $5, but I could do like like 30 or 40 an hour, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the then you had, to, you had to change your setup for everything. They used to just have the black machine, the green machine and the red machine, you know, <laughs> now, now, we, now we had to, now we had to just everything. You had to change needles for every client. You know, I, I, asked, I, another, the cost I asked of another. a tattoo went up exponentially after that. Well, you said it wasn't, you couldn't accomplish nearly as many. So you weren't making the money, you know, you weren't right, making yeah. as much money because you, you had to take time away from your day. But yeah. those five dollar tattoos, they were like three minute tattoos or something, right? Oh yeah, yeah, he could do. But a now ton you of add them. the setup, especially yeah. with the coil machine setup. I, I mean, they didn't have cartridge systems or nothing. Yeah, so you, remember they they had those old, and you can still find them in places. Those those old like five gallon buckets that have the rings on the side of them, like the Grand Canyon, because they just have like the soapy water with the the sea sponge. And they would just take the the, <laughs> the that sea sponge out of the bucket and dab it, and then wipe down your tattoo. And then yeah. throw it back in the bucket, you know, next. 
Why <laughs> just, did using that, that bucket had to be causing hepatitis and outbreaks? It had to be, right? And, or, or was it just an early well, time? It, people it, hepatitis had, wasn't what? really a big thing until after like the Vietnam War and the intravenous drug use was really, that's when that kind of really kind of took on. You know, we didn't, there were, I don't, I don't know is whether or not tattooing did or did not spread a lot of disease as much as maybe there wasn't a lot of stuff getting spread around or maybe it was a smaller, smaller audience getting tattooed. Right. So, you know, a lot of the same people that were getting tattooed were also world travelers. They were your military and stuff, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg. Lyle had a, um, he told me a story about sailor Jerry having the Rolling Stone cover Lyle's Rolling Stone cover in the bathroom. Over his toilet. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. and he would pee directly on Lyle's face. <laughs> well, Lyle always kind of laughed and took that as a compliment. He wasn't offended by it. No, uh, Lyle was such a, I mean, maybe it comes with, with old age too, but he was such a laid back kind of guy in that regard. Well, or I, it I, I, one guy described it really well to me. Like Lyle mm-hmm. was never really known as being like the most amazing tattooer. He wasn't Sailor Jerry. He wasn't, you know, Ed Hardy. He wasn't, he wasn't any of these guys, but he was really good at, at getting tattooing some press and some publicity. Promotion. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was, he was that right guy in the right place, you know? And, and I think that that's one thing that we kind of always kind of shared a, a passion for was kind of like the dealing with the carnival of the tattoo life rather than going after being the number one tattooer, you know? Yeah. Dazzled um, in trinkets was one of his, his takeaways from, from that kind of philosophy too. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that kind of like, uh, I wouldn't call him like a, a carnival barker, but you know, kind of that whole thing where with like, Hey, look right over here, you know? Yeah. I run into a guy recently who um, a retired police officer. So he's an older guy, but he, he came up in San Francisco right down the street from Lyle. Mm-hmm. He's telling me stories about how, and I didn't put it all together till afterwards, but he's like, yeah, Lyle was really cool. You know, older guy, he, he would let us uh, look through his tattoo pictures. And I wasn't catching what that really meant. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And then when I think back on it, I'm like, oh, Elias well, tattooing titties. This guy's basically well, saying yeah, a tattoo portfolio would have been one step one step away from being like an adult magazine. Right. And of the time, it was an adult magazine yeah. for those kids. Like yeah. their, their proximity or ability to get those things was so, you know. Uh so I don't know. It was he was it was awesome to hear somebody telling me about the story of you know his shop kind of and at the same time I'm I'm like, I guess that would get you canceled on Twitter today for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, nowadays, I, I mean, like the, the, the industry reinvented itself so much, you know, like in Massachusetts alone, we were where I think we were illegal from 1976 to 2000. Right. So so the really? industry was able to go from like a red light district kind of, a, a, you know, industry to to being a one where like moms and daughters come in on their, you know, for an 18th birthday, you know. Right. So it's, it's kind of changed. Yeah. Do you lament it? Do you think, you think it's good? Do I think the change is good? Yeah. Well, it it provides me a nice lifestyle. So yeah, I I really enjoy the change, you know, you know, um, 
Lyle would I, say I that, that the big change in his lifetime was when the women started burning their bras. The women's lip, yeah, it it doubled his it doubled his clientele. Now, how so? Because he would uh, because more women were getting tattooed then. Oh yeah, once once women's lib happened for him, like it just opened up the clientele and gave him, you know, all the women started like when Janis Joplin went on the Johnny Carson show and showed off the wrist tattoo that he had done. That was like an open door for for all these other women to go in and get their pretty t- flower tattoos. You know, did he? Did she mention him as an artist too on that? Oh, oh yeah, most certainly did. Yeah, oh, and, and him and him and Janice were pretty close, I, I believe. Uh, and he's not alive to confirm this now, but I believe that that she had called him the day that she had died away. That, you know, the day that she died, like they were fairly close. I had no idea. Yeah, like I, yeah, I've they, never actually. They were asked they were very they, they were very close. Um, other than just doing that tattoo, I think they spent quite a bit of time together. That's uh, I I would always get stories about um, any different number of things. Like uh, he, he sent a hooker to uh, Sailor Jerry's uh, island shop one time <laughs> just to get him, you know, just to blow him, and because he knew she was going out there to Hawaii, so he gave her some money. So here's the thing: you go up there, you're just going to blow this guy, and when you do, <laughs> right when you get done, I want you to say that's from Lyle. And according to him, the sailor smacked her right in the face when she when he finished, and she said, "That was the you don't owe me nothing. That's thanks to Lyle." And he punched her right in the face. But uh, I think uh, for, I think for a Lyle, a lot of that stuff was almost like the uh, like almost like the East Coast West Coast rap battle. You know what I mean? Like like how much of it is is like an actual disdain for the other person, and how much of it is just a PR? Let's keep in the let's keep in everybody's conversation, you know, right? because I know that he had some, some comments or conversations back and forth with like Ed Hardy, both of them being California boys, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of having, having shops in the same town. Um, But like, if they ever were in the same room, like perfectly gracious with each other, you know, they'd show up at the same parties or what have you. So it wasn't like he actually didn't like the guy. Or didn't didn't have appreciation for his tattoo work. It was just like, hey, everybody's talking about that stupid thing I said about you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's real good when people are talking. Yeah, you know, and like I said, he was just a master of press and publicity. He really was. He also told me about uh, messing with the bums that would be behind his shop sometimes by taking a train siren that he had gotten, <laughs> or maybe he put it on a record player. But then they also had a big light, a big spotlight that they would shine and put on a bicycle and try and make it like there was a train running down the alleyway. Yeah. Yeah. He, oh. he, I mean, like those were the days, though, back then. Like you can hear all, like any time you, you can talk to a guy who was around in the 50s and 60s, the stories, the, you know, the hijinks were almost more than the tattooing, you know. I, I feel like the. um People tattooing now, they get so much from it's, it's almost easy to get information. And perhaps yeah. that leaves them to think that they did this on their own more than that they had a lot of help to get there. Well, also the, the incorrect information, you know, I can't I can't tell you how many times. And as you know, I, I like to kind of study the science of what we're doing, you know, and, and understand the skin and the biology, not just look at the art, but the biology of what we're doing. Right. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to a younger kid who's maybe been tattooing for five years, and I'll explain something about 
about the white ink being underneath the color of your skin, which is in particles of melanin and and so on and so forth. And and almost and like oh, but I I use a liner to put in my white. I'm like that's still going to put the ink <laughs> underneath the color of your skin. So if your skin color is dark, you're not going to see that. Well, right. or like I use this brand, it's brighter than that brand. I'm like, okay, well, it's still a metal salt, right? So it's still titanium and, and, and yeah, but you're still putting it underneath the color of their skin, right? And they all, always just, just like, well, let's agree to disagree. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, well, I just gave you science or, or, you know, like you tell somebody why the sky's blue, like the, the refraction off of the atmosphere and you start going into the science of that. And they're just like, oh, well, in my opinion <laughs> or in my experience, <laughs> you know, and those are key phrases that I'm always like, oh, here we go. <laughs> is know? that usually uh, uh, some kind of a, a mental bias is about to come up after that phrase, right? Well, or, sometimes like, like in my experience, when when you're talking, you know, I've been doing this. My shop's been open for 22 years. I've been doing it almost 30 now. And I, I've always been amazing at it. I've worked hard to get better at it. And I've talked to as many people as possible, not just tattooers, but doctors and dermatologists mm -hmm. and things like that to find out what's going on with the science of the body when we deliver tattoos. You teach and a course uh, at your seminar, at your, your convention. I, do, I, teach a, I teach a skin disease course that's, mm -hmm. that's required by the state of Massachusetts to get a tattoo license. Yeah. Um, and that's all information that, like I said, I've collected through years of doing this and years of talking to doctors and things like that. So when you're talking to a guy who's really minimal education, maybe high school level education, and they say, and they've been doing tattoos for five years, either out of their house or a small tattoo shop. And they start out with, in my experience, <laughs> you know, it's going to go downhill from there. You know what I mean? Because they're not even, they're not even looking at like, okay, let me absorb some knowledge. Right. Well, well, in your experience, you haven't seen a tattoo that you have done that is older yeah. than five years old. Exactly. There's, in your experience, there is no way that you could have enough experience to know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of tired, not tired. It bothers me when um, I got to find a new way to tell people when they're being ignorant. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Like people take yeah. such offense to their ignorance or your exposing of their ignorance when really you shouldn't take offense it's just you are talking out of some kind of ignorance you know when you have no basis when you say like in my experience and you've only been tattooing five years well that's an ignorant experience don't feel yeah. so bad about it but do change your method of delivery perhaps don't say things you, well like use, use use ignorance as an as an excuse or or a means of gaining more knowledge right like the recognition yeah. of of the the absence of knowledge would do you much better than the assumption that you have it yes because the illusion of knowledge is the greatest threat that you will have to intelligence yes somebody really smart must have said that it was. <laughs> I can't remember his name because I'm not. <laughs> but, you know, I think in this case, we can just put Einstein in there and boom, sure. we, <laughs> yeah. we win the meme. You don't think your audience is going to fact check to any of that? <laughs> I really think it was Einstein. Okay. So, yeah, please do fact check it because I think I think it was. But I do know that it's, since I've heard that, it's made the most sense to me. Because anytime you come into somebody with the illusion of intelligence or the illusion of knowledge, excuse me, then they don't desire to seek proof because they already have that knowledge. So they're done learning. It's like a camp.
You know what I mean? And how, how common is that in the in the tattoo industry as well? Because you have literally there there's there's such a fine line between the confidence to put permanent marks on people and just blind arrogance, right? Like like we're good <laughs> enough to permanently mark you. Yes. Yes, because my career started with blind arrogance. Yeah. Well, all of us do. Even even now, even guys that I know that have been doing this 15, 20 years, they're still blindly arrogant. They're like, oh, yeah, look at this. And I'm like, what do you think that's going to look like in five years? What do you well, think? That, do you yeah. think that person is going to be proud or ashamed of what you just did? You know, but they, they're more absorbed with like, look how many Facebook likes I got on this. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, isn't there an argument that there's the I'll call it the PMU. Are you familiar with PMU? I'll call it the PMU argument. Permanent makeup, they're calling it nowadays, which I think is oh, crazy. Yeah. It should be called permanent yeah. cosmetics, but whatever. They need to rebrand Isn't that, every isn't that where years. you go and take a five-day course and come out of there <laughs> knowing everything there is to know so that you can permanently fuck up somebody's face? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That is exactly what it is. And it, it is um, uh, a cancer upon the, the tattoo in it. But there is that illusion of knowledge there for sure that you come away thinking that you can, you know, you did a five-day course. And now you know what I, I love about that is with my limited experience with it, because they all have to take my, my course as well. So there's so much misinformation being taught out of those classes um, with like skin, skin pigment and like even just right down to like tattooing vitiligo and things like that. Yeah. Uh, there's so much wrong information being taught in those classes that I say, well, what, how are these instructors? Like, how, how are they qualified? And, yes. and then I looked into it a little bit and a lot of these girls will get out of the schooling and then go and say, practice it for a short period of time, maybe a year, right maybe two years. And then they start becoming instructors. They retire after a couple of years and become instructors. Before they've so, had an experience with what the face really looks like from their work. Yeah. They're, they're teaching. Yeah. It's like a giant pyramid scheme. <laughs> You're, they're, they're buying their, their equipment at exorbitant prices just because it has the branding of the school they went to on it, you know, and, and they don't this realize is something that, that I know for a less. fact that some permanent cosmetic inks, I know the permanent cosmetic ink industry is full of shit and yeah. uh, candy can maybe take this out if she wants. I know the, per the, the ink in the permanent cosmetic industry is the ink that is in the tattoo industry but the ink in the permanent cosmetic industry is going to cost me four times as much, if not more. Because it has the branding on it. They repackage yeah. the product and sell it to them for more money and tell them that's the only thing that works that way. They'll tell you a bunch of bullshit about watching and they all get away with like just straight lying. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. but I know, <laughs> but yeah. I, you can't lie to me. It's like you now I've, I hate that when I kind of become, like someone lies about an event you know like dude remember we got in a fight we beat those guys ass maybe you know he's telling he's telling your friend about the time that you guys beat somebody's ass and you're like ah we got our asses beat you know yeah yeah, yeah we lost <laughs> yeah i i, I still I have, got a crack I, too I, you know i've had a couple of conversations with with some of the girls that that have to take my class um that that go through that schooling and and like some of the stuff like one conversation i had was I asked the girl, I said, okay, so how long does it take you to put a couple eyebrows on, you know, the, with, with this technique? And they said, well, it'll take me about, about an hour and a half to do it. And I'm, first I'm thinking like an hour and a half for two caterpillars, you know, I'm looking at it mm -hmm. like the size of it. How long does it take me to pass a tattoo machine through that area? An hour and a half, what the hell are you doing? But second of all, how much do you get for that? And they go well, around $600. I said, so you are making like, 
on average $400 an hour and you went to school for five days. What makes you think that you're qualified to do that? Because I've been doing tattoos for 20 years plus, you know, but I just round it down to 20 years and say, I've been doing this for 20 years and I only get $200 an hour. Why are you more qualified than me to charge that money? Like, don't you feel like you're ripping your clients off? Easy explanation. I can tell you right now it's because they'll pay it. Like, well, well, this is a capitalist it's, society, buddy. The the market I think is that, that, that's that's the marketing of it. They tell all these young girls that they're going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year doing eyebrows, but once they're not telling them, like, without information and facts, and you know, you're not cultivating a long career. You're going to come out of school and find out that they also pumped out three thousand other kids to do this, and there's just not that many people that want their eyebrows, and especially when they get them done and they realize that two years later they don't look as good. They're not going to pay you a second time, you know? So no, this is something you, you I know something work, about. You almost work yourself out of work. I will, my, when my wife does a set of eyebrows, I see that quiet takes an hour and a half. And, but I also believe that she does it far more correct than others. I, I've, she, she's often fixing other people's work where they come in and they have done the full school course and they have mapped out some eyebrows that took them the longest this is called mapping and they they set up these eyebrows to be perfect you know kim yeah. kardashian eyebrows and that will work as long as your old eyebrows don't grow back in or as long as your face is like people have such different faces perfect eyebrows don't work on everybody you know well i also fashion trends change that's my fear like right oh, yeah. now big, bigger eyebrows big, are cool. yeah. i remember when when tweezing them down to little pinstripes were or kind of like the cool thing. thing. Yeah. So what happens when our fashion sense changes and you have all these old ladies with big caterpillars on their face, you know? Yes. The most perfect so. ones in the or their, their face, you know, everybody's face size. Yeah. And so your now face, your eyebrows your face go will down. change. Yeah. But the best thing that uh, is, is usually to enhance the eyebrow that you have instead of some, some of these girls are literally changing the area of the eyebrow. They look at the face and they don't think about the age of it. They think about this. Yeah, I want, my, I want my, my picture to be higher up on my face. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the girls themselves, I believe, are doing I think they're being taught this inside well, of some of these courses. Body dysmorphia and everything else and bad expectations. You know that my wife had personal experience with, with this with your wife. My wife suffers from a, a little bit of uh, alopecia where she's lost some hair and her eyebrows we're, we're close to gone and candy came in and, and did them for her, but there was nobody else that we were going to trust to do that because tan candy approached it with the knowledge of a tattooer, not the education of, of a permanent cosmetic artist, you know, which is almost, it sounds almost counterintuitive that we, that you're like, well, don't you want the education? And you're like, no, trust me. No, <laughs> my no, wife wanted, had a, a 15 years tattoo think, experience. <laughs> yeah. I think she had been tattooing seven to 15 years before she started to do permanent cosmetics. And the reason she did it was because there was a girl down the road that that's all she did. And every day she was fucking girls faces up and they would come <laughs> eventually the owner of that shop, like, because it, like they, it was a partnership. And so the owner of that shop actually started bringing her clients because she, the owner did like a, anesthetician stuff like lasers and and uh you know hair removal and type stuff so yeah. she's bringing she's she has a relationship with the same clients but they're a partnership the, yeah. the permanent cosmetic girl so behind that permanent cosmetic girl's back she would say don't give up on the shop let me take you to a girl that can fix your face yeah <laughs> 
And we, well, and, and Irene, uh, she did Irene's eyeliner too. And that's one of her favorite things that she doesn't have to put that on ever again. And I, I like, if my wife asked me to tattoo a line under her eyelid, I'd be like, uh, no, thanks. You know, I'm not that guy, <laughs> especially now, like the older I get, my glasses are a little thicker. My hands are a little shakier. Like put this and little this, line where <laughs> what the, the idea that somebody could learn this in a few days is, is interesting because mind, it mind probably blowing. is possible for the for every perfect circumstance that you could learn a basic idea of what to put on right but it yeah. is impossible to imagine that that is what you could then turn to a, a successful like applicate technical application of the face is like on, on every day because everybody's face is so different skins are so different and you need yeah. to approach it different when they teach it they actually they make it so that they teach in a model form almost where they're like, you know, this is what works for everybody, but not yeah. because it works for everybody because it will work for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, well, I have, I, the only time that, that we offer permanent cosmetics at my shop is when candy is guest spotting. That's the only time that we ever have that um, even offered as a service. So we do have clients that, that are regular clients that will come out of the woodwork because candy's in town, you know, as you know, yeah. you've been there, but yeah. I do have one woman that took my skin disease course. Um, and she's been in permanent cosmetics for quite a while actually, but has been kind of disenfranchised over the years with these different classes that she's taken and different teachings. And she saw the kind of like almost a little bit of a flicker of light when she took my class. So she actually comes in and pulls apprenticeship hours with me, not to learn how to tattoo, but to just kind of like sort mm -hmm. her information. So she's there as right. more of a question and answer. Then she'll come in for a few hours every couple of weeks and right. just watch me tattoo and shadow and ask questions. And because what's going there on is a big illusion of yeah. uh, knowledge inside of the PMU world. Yeah. And she's, she's kind of, and I, I find it extremely admirable that even though she's been yes. in that industry for quite a while, that she's, she wants to learn more about the science and the biology and kind of apply that to what she's doing so that she can offer her clients a, a better, more realistic service, you know, better product. I love, yeah, that is anyway, Alan, that's, that's, uh, that's probably enough me bitching about my wife's is <laughs> <laughs> she like yeah all that's going on the floor kyle thanks for making me listen to try and figure out the part where i can say click well there, i wanted then, i wanted to be yeah. noted that i said how how well candy does her job and and she saved me and irene and irene is a huge fan of hers right on that's, honestly that is prop maybe that's why i like going out to your shop so much i probably end up coming away with more money because my wife does so much work there well, we also make her tattoo. <laughs> she also has to like do some some flowers and butterflies and and all the the walk-in tattoos because we always have so much yeah. walk-in tattooing to do that. Like, if you've used a tattoo machine, we're going to put you to work. You know, <laughs> who is the last um, apprentice? Not apprentice. Who is the last uh, guest spot that you had go through? Was it recent or Bobby? Bobby? Bobby Lockhart. Uh, he's okay. out of Philadelphia, amazing tattooer and just one of the sweetest guys ever. So we, we like, and him he still made it through you shot. Yeah, <laughs> okay. he, he'll be, he'll be back at the end of September. We usually have, as, I, I don't know if you've gotten to meet them, Petros and George guys from Greece and Portugal. I did. Um, I met one of the guys from Greece. Was it Petro? Petros? Petros. Yeah. Amazingly nice guy. Great tattooer. Mm -hmm. But we, we haven't had any of those guys come in. They would come and spend a couple of months with us during the summer each. But 
um, with COVID and traveling and everything else. We haven't seen right. them in a couple of years. Okay. I it remember he, uh, he was on our, on our guest artist situation. COVID? Yeah, COVID. It just, even now it's like, you know, traveling to the, you know, getting the visa isn't as bad as, as getting your country to allow you to travel here, you know? I fucking hate COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a tough thing because it's a, just one more polarizing thing that's been politicized in the U.S. But at the same time, like, I think that, that, you know, it's it's looked at like it's kind of gone away, like so many people are cavalier and nonchalant about it. But uh, in all actuality, it's it's still here with a vengeance. And, you know, you know that that we've had our struggles with it. But precautions are, are there for a reason, you know, and no matter what you take for precautions, like we, we already said, my wife's been one of the healthiest people I know, you know, doesn't smoke, doesn't really drink. Um, and then myself, you know, being <laughs> diabetic and a smoker and a drinker and and uh, not living the healthiest lifestyles over the years. Yeah, I'm not coughing because I'm trying to add to you. Like I'm, I'm smoking, <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm yeah. Coughing. Like yeah, yeah sure, I've she's been, healthy. I've been, I've been smoking 30 years, you know. And and uh, when we both contracted um, COVID, we did not expect her to be the one that would be so close to dying from it. You know, we she was on life support for three months. You know one of the it's literally the last year of my life's been been one of the hardest struggles i've ever had you know um but you know here we are now we're we're out camping and enjoying our lives you know so hard struggle both financially because covid was wreaking havoc on the economy and your ability to even perform the work that you do and also on your your wife's health yeah yeah And, and we were shut down for about three three and a half months um, we didn't contract COVID until September. So the following year. So we, we, we came back from the financial end of it strong. Like once we were able to reopen, mm. um, our clients, like we didn't even hit a slow, slow day. I'd say like, there was one of the, one, it was like a banner year coming up out of COVID with our clients who just were just so strong on getting tattooed and every guy at the shop was slamming. You know, There's so, probably something I should mention there too that you are one of the fastest tattoo artists I know. There's Pete Carino, there yeah. is Troy Temple, and, and yourself. I'm trying to think. I feel like there was one more that I would put in that category as well. well you you've got to you've got to see my son tattoo. You, you've missed a lot of his career, but he's he's about five years in now. And whereas I'm slowing down because I'm old, <laughs> he's, he's kind of picking up the pace. And I, and I find myself doing exactly what you and my other buddies would do and be like, you know, if you slow down a little bit, I think you can maybe pick up on some things you're missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so as much as you guys always lecture me about that and, and like, Hey, you know, like your work's good, man, but like, God damn it. Could you imagine what you did if you slowed down? <laughs> yeah. If you just took a little bit more time, say around the eye, around yeah. the nostril, you're like, dude, I hit it. It's there. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah it like, is. why would I, why would I abuse the skin any more than I need to, you know? Because like I said, my focus has always like been as much on the science of it. So like for me, like knowing that I'm going to poke three to 500 holes per minute in somebody, how many minutes should I work on a small piece of skin before you've over damaged it and caused scar tissue, you know? And Which and, is also and, why you use coil machines to, to this yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, 
I mean, a lot of people will say it's just because I'm an old dog and can't learn new tricks, but I've tried the rotaries and I don't like the, the fact that they don't have the forgiveness or, or the give to them that a coil machine does with its back spring, yep. you know, I really um, look I forward to trying out a way of, of fixing that problem with them. You know, I think I, I, I look forward to uh, getting, I'm getting one of the Carson's machines. I just had him on the show and he's convinced I'm, me I'm, that he's got I, something there. I can't wait to, to see it. I would like I would like to see it. I would like to try it because like he's he's been a smart guy, and I'd love to see it. Like I said, if somebody could eventually fix that that gap between the two, because I love the fact right. that they're they're lighter and more maneuverable and friendlier on a traveling tattooer. You know, it's a lot of tat friend. You know, traveling and didn't you tattooer. pick one up and try it for like a couple of weeks, and like you you thought that that was going to be your one, or you you were saying something one of them like i when i try something new i don't just you know use it on my clientele because i it takes a year to know what a tattoo is going to look like you know and then to see how it's going to age you got to wait another five so if i'm going to try a new brand of ink i'm not going to just use it on everybody because somebody told me it's great you know i think that's a i think that's careless and i think that's kind of naive to how tattoos function right because we have to wait for the cells to bond with the particles of pigment you have to wait for the top layers of skin to shed off you have to wait for your melanin to completely replace itself so that you can see what it's going to look like through that window. and i've i've made the mistake this i mean you're preaching to some this is my mistake uh, of not following that i made the mistake of trusting a really quality uh tattoo machine maker and they came they started making ink too and they're super high end quality. So I just trusted their, their gray shade. And, yeah. and I mean, how do you, 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 I didn't figure you really mess up gray shade. Right. Yeah. Like, and I came back, it was at your shop, I, at your show. I looked at it and I was like, there's something way wrong. I mean, the guy loved the tattoo still. It was really yeah. a unique piece. It was really cool, fun to do. And he just let me have fun putting all these, uh, the, this horror type stuff up his arm. But then um, all my midtones, all my darkest darks, had turned to a midtone and my midtone was still the midtone, you know? Yeah. And so, so the tattoo flattened itself out over a while. Oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. I hated it when I seen it. it. It didn't take long for me to put it back in because it yeah. was only the darks that had to go in. And yeah. that's also where I begin realizing I'm like, I wouldn't have put it in flat like this, but yeah. for some reason, the midtone is all healthy and it looks like good. And then the, the dark area, it, it doesn't look overworked at all it just faded, you know? And that was somebody that we, uh, that you would think you should just be able to trust by name recognition or name brand and recognition. Um, But I I mean, a lot of times that name isn't necessarily the guy that's, that's mixing it up. Right. He's the guy that that gave the rights to his name to put on that product. He's going to get some free product or some money off on the side about it. He's not not going to be the guy that that sits there and does the chemistry on it you know right and and now that company doesn't make ink anymore so i'm sure yeah. that some of the problems <laughs> they run into they're like you know we're just good at this you were the only guy it. that saw that problem <laughs> yeah unfortunately for those for those of us that shared in that but well there's a huge there's a huge misconception that that a tattoo takes two weeks to heal you know what i mean because the the bio the biology isn't done at that point the wound the superficial wound is healed, but just like when you cut yourself and you get a scar, right? Your your scar looks a certain way once that scabbing's all done and everything else. But then if you look at that scar a year or two later, it's, it looks different. It's brought itself down. It's flattened down a little bit. So even that fibrosis hasn't done what it's going to do 
within that first couple of months, it's gonna it's still got a year to go, you know. So that two so, weeks is usually based on how soon can you get back to normal life. Yeah, how long how long before I can jump in the pool? But I I still uh, would recommend staying out of the sun for another month or two because your melanin's still regenerating, you know what I mean? Yes, so I do, which which becomes a perfect probably for you to make fun of my care instructions. Oh, see, I was I'm I've been waiting for the care instructions, man. It's <laughs> one of the most entertaining things that I've ever heard. And I still tell people not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so so number one, let's get into it. So you you told me you wanted this just so you had an audio so you can use it in your course to say yeah. this is wrong. It, it may work, but it is wrong. And for, for the listeners, I want to preface this by saying. I do use Kyle Dunbar's way of giving aftercare as an example of how not to give aftercare to your clients. But I hope that Kyle never stops giving his aftercare this way. What I have found with aftercare, I'm aware of it. (laughs) Yeah, The people won't listen is what I know. Like it does, it never mattered what I could tell them. And the more detailed I would get, the less they would pay attention. Yeah, yeah. I know that you can remember a joke. And and also I read this, I read a book, believe it or not. I read a book. It was called yeah. Checklist Manifesto. And it's only like 200 pages. So maybe now you can believe it. The checklist to me was like, if I can get my care instructions down to the smallest number of things for these people to remember, or one thing that they can remember that will apply across the board, then we're there. And that was treat it like a baby. If you treat yeah. your tattoo like a baby that you want to grow up to be a good, productive member of society, you're not trying to raise a school shooter. You're going to yeah. you're not ferberizing this baby like on Meet the Fockers. You know, when it cries, you answer it. If something makes it cry, don't fucking do that again. Uh, if it feels good for the baby, do that. That's what you do. That's what makes the baby feel good. You do that. If it feels bad for the baby, if it makes it scream or cry, you don't do that. You wouldn't take a baby to the sun, to the beach and put it in the sun for 20 minutes because it would burn. You wouldn't take a baby and submerge it in a bathtub full of water because it would drown. Don't you drown don't your do baby. For a tattoo. Don't drown your baby. Now, I also point out that sometimes you do things that feel good for you that you could imagine feel good for the baby because it feels so good for you, but that's different. Sometimes you shake the baby because you can't catch the punchline on the Seinfeld. You know, you just shake that little fucking 20 seconds is all it takes. And for 20 minutes, you get peace and quiet and you catch all your punchlines. But the baby's retarded now. You follow me? That's the (laughs) tattoo. So if you scratch a tattoo, that will feel good for you, just like shaking a baby will. But don't do it. (laughs) That's, That's such a crazy comparison. Um, other than that, what else don't you don't dress a baby up sexy on a Friday night, take it to a club. I love that. You need to have suitable environment and comfortable fitting clothing. I don't know how many times a girl has explained to me that, oh, but I was going out. And so the hip huggers I needed to wear and like it cut into the thing. But, you know, what do you do? You don't look well, you pull your fucking sweats up to your fucking nipples and you stay home. That's what you fucking do. (laughs) Yeah. Homeschool the baby by the door. So anyways, treat your tattoo like a baby. I think if you apply that in almost any situation, it, it, it gives them the right idea of what to do. Would you let your baby, would you let your mechanic touch your tattoo? Well, I don't know. Would you let your mechanic pick up your baby? No. You know how your mechanic is. He doesn't fuck. He's like, it's stuck underneath there. No, you're not scrubbing. Get a fucking scrub brush, man. That, that grease under your nails that you think is just now a stain (laughs) that can be removed. (laughs) So, so at, at during my my skin course, okay, and Kyle <laughs> Kyle has made the the skin class. He is he's one of my points of reference. 
And, and I explain to them when we when we go over aftercare instructions, we tell people to keep it clear and concise. Back to your checklist, right? Keep a short checklist. Okay. And, yes. And and keep it clear and concise. So then I go into I have this friend, Kyle Dunbar. <laughs> And he goes into this this rant, and much like the name of your podcast, you know, uh, yes. you, you will go point. into you with the, with the best intention, treat your tattoo like a baby, but you go off in so many different tangents that at the end of it, you go, you know, it's a super entertaining story about treating your tattoo like a baby, not drowning your baby, not dressing it up like like a floozy, you know, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, to your, to your But at the end of it, you go. Okay, how do I take care of my tattoo again? <laughs> they, they, they honestly do. I mean, yeah. there is a point where they're like, like, well, what do you do for a baby? It's all. Then I slapped the sanitizer on have me, You have me completely captivated every time you give aftercare instructions, and I will stop what I'm doing to listen to it because, and I've heard it uh, so many times, but I still cannot get away from it. I, I'm thoroughly enthralled by it, but at the end of it, I'm still like. So what does he just so tell them to do? <laughs> honestly, they have, it has really helped my healing uh, for care instruction because honestly, they seem to apply that thought. And really that's all you need to do. Like, yeah. I, look, I got this scab on my tattoo. And so I just started picking it. Like I've had people, you they, they show you the tattoo, right? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, everything healed good except for this spot. And when they show it to you, they make a you, picking. You know, you know that they were picking. Their yeah. muscle memory is like picking at it with their fingernail. <laughs> and you're like, well, I don't know. Do you think anybody picked at that spot that is missing ink where you're they're like, well, there was a scab there. I remember it scabbed up really big and they keep rubbing it. I'm rubbing it right now in my... <laughs> and you're like, yeah, like that's that's what happened. You know, they that's come in with their their piercing and they're they're rubbing it with their finger, going, I I think I have an infection. I don't know why right. I have an infection. I'm like, you haven't stopped rubbing it since you got in the building. <laughs> you know. But if they come in and they say, uh, and you say, I don't know, why did you treat it like a baby? And you're like, yeah, except for this one spot, I kept picking at that fuck that little spot. <laughs> I shook I shook <laughs> that spot. Now it's regret. yeah, yeah. No, I think I think there is a moment. I hope there's a moment when they're going towards the thing then they're going to do that thing and they're like don't is that what you do to a baby do you pick at a baby <laughs> crying and they're like oh fuck my baby's crying i absolutely love it i i keep mine i keep mine simple and, and i i direct it more towards the individual so if i'm if i'm tattooing like a lower leg or a foot i, I talk to them more about circulatory system and elevating their that foot over their heart so so they yeah. can get you know, get the deoxygenated blood out and let fresh blood in. And, and I do, I talk to them boring, like, like they're just leaving their, their doctor's office. I don't have do they, any good analogies do to, they listen? to explain to them. Uh, they, they listen to that one because I, I start, I started off kind of a little crass and I say, okay, so what you got to do is make sure that you spend at least 15 to 20 minutes a day with your feet over your head. And then that grabs <laughs> their attention. See, that's, <laughs> and then I explain why that is, you know, that's what I found was that you need an attention grabber. And if you get, the attention grabber right yeah they're yeah. like oh but, i remember every story, morning i got a story your story and way of telling it is the same as your podcast you will get completely off topic <laughs> i think most of those topics work in i feel like you know certainly the shaking a baby i had somebody come back and he was like dude it felt so good to just pour this hot water and i got in the shower and my back was just on fire and so i just started got in a hot shower and i just and i was like did that and that felt good and he's like well the the tattoo was just like so much sensation already 
<laughs> and it just added to it. And you're like, you're a fucking idiot, right? Like, like that didn't help this Gene Simmons portrait. Uh, <laughs> now he looks retarded. <laughs> oh, God. Milky. We'll say he looked milky. I'm like, what the hell happened here? But this was years before the, the treat it like a baby. And, well, and, uh, in my class, I tell everybody, keep your instructions simple. But when I talk to Kyle Dunbar, I say, please add more to that. <laughs> Okay, well, I will. One is uh, the the baby. When you treat it like a baby, you can't. Um, you, I, I, I do say already you can't ferberize it, but more I need to say, if your baby is crying, answer it now. Fuck your, your now. boss is not important. He can screw off. Go go and like. Actually, I do tell him this part. I tell him to all, if you get a tattoo, you should develop IBS. If you do anything in life, you should develop IBS because you can have IBS and not even know it. Or you can know it. And it, well, here's the beauty of IBS. IBS stands for irritable butthole syndrome, or yeah. I think more scientifically, irritable bowel syndrome, right? But yeah. it also, if you mess with, look at those letters, it also stands for I bullshit. <laughs> and I may be bullshitting you about having IBS. I might really just have a lucky egg on my Pokemon Go fucking app. And I need to go upgrade some Pokemons in the stall for 20 minutes while I make grunting noises. So you think I'm actually doing my business. And this is your aftercare instructions. It blows <laughs> my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, develop IBS so that if your boss is bitching about shit and you hear your baby crying, you got the ability to go take care of it because your boss now, never you, gives a fuck you, about your you baby. Put in, how do you put an analogy of the reminding them to wash their hands before they apply <laughs> ointment to their tattoo? Uh, or I, no, before you pick up your baby and coddle it and swaddle you it up? Never, yeah, well, I do actually. I usually try to work one in like, hey, do you let people pick up your baby without washing their hands? No. Do you okay, pick so up your baby after you got done before you touch my baby? Yeah. Yeah. Wash your hands. You sick. Fuck. I, that is probably the, the heart, but at the same time that everybody seems to think that their hands are clean anyways. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can tell somebody to wash your hand before they touch your tattoo. Like, yeah, I, I would, but you know, it was clean. All I did was drive over. I mean, I took a shower, I brushed my teeth. I ate my breakfast, all my stuff. Yeah. Right. And then I got in my cars, touched my steering wheel, my door, my handle. And then I got to the thing and I opened up my, my dirty can that was inside of my pocket and I rubbed it on my tattoo, but all clean things, all me. All me, like well, like my logic. blood. There is logic to that, Kyle. Like I've I've been putting my hands in my mouth since I was a baby, and I'm not dead yet. <laughs> There's a lot. You're absolutely right, but that's what <laughs> that's what customers seem to get out of it when I tell them to wash their hands first. So like, yeah, if it's convenient, right? If I got water yep. there, yeah, like, yeah. But my tattoo hurt. <laughs> I guess I probably don't help it though when I tell them take care of your baby. And then they, they go, but you know, I, I'm, I've been using that Saniderm and I, I know we go back and forth on whether we like it or not. You and I, yeah. I love it. And yeah. that takes the stupid out of most tattoos. If someone can leave that on for three to six days, uh, that takes the dumb right out of it. And it adds a layer on that kind of protects it like a, like a, a ham, uh, a plastic, it, it tech protects it by sealing it inside of something that even if somebody slaps, and it were to become fissured, you know what I mean? Or swollen yeah. or whatever, then it kind of keeps that together. Well, yeah, yeah I, I can see that stuff, but it also your body is supposed to have a weeping process. So sealing it doesn't necessarily make sense. You know, like when I started, when I started getting tattooed and, and we won't talk about how old I am, uh, <laughs> we were, we were to keep our bandages on for a week. Do you remember that far back? Were you, were you, were you alive? Well, back then? Yeah, but 
man. The, and and I mean, now we know, well, now we know to not keep them on for more than an hour or two. So like, yes. like listening to medical science on, on how an abrasion heals and what you need to have that cell development. The, the most important thing for generating those cells is going to be oxygen, right? So, yeah. so putting something in there that blocks air away or blocks the oxygen away doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me and then and just the simple fact of how does it how does it go on it sticks to you with an adhesive so you're putting that adhesive directly into an open wound also not a lot of sense to that one you know and then they say oh well we've developed one that allows off-gassing and it's breathable but if you put it over right. your mouth it would suffocate and die so it's not really breathable, certainly not absorbent to remove any plasma that your body has weeped because the right. process of, of rupturing that outside layer of skin, which is your first first step in your immune system, right? So you're, you're breaking that skin tissue. Now your body's secondary thing, because your skin isn't there to block outside pathogens, your body's going to push fluids the other direction to flush them out. So you're flushing out those contaminants. And you're blocking Trapping them back them in, in with that, you know, and then you, you see the videos online where the people have the big plasma bubbles that they push around inside those things. And you're just like, oh, that's disgusting. Well, it really is disgusting because that's all <laughs> stuff that your body's trying to get rid of. Your body has a process. And so it, I'm more of a your body knows how to heal it. Just let it, let it heal don't it. do anything to get in its way, which that's what that, that product does is it, it gets in the way of your body's natural healing abilities. Um, now you told me also that it was, uh, that it's listed somewhere. I, I have no, nothing that says contrary. Uh, mm. So I, that's why I mentioned this because maybe someone else wants to do research, but you yeah. said something about it's not to be put on abrasions. They, yeah. There are versions of that product that were originally manufactured um, and if you go back to the original manufacturing of that product, it says specifically on their sites to not use it on an abrasion. Because so it will, it will be same, used in the same exact product with a different name on it, right? Because you know that a lot of our products are repackaged right. other products, right? right? Like so, these were IV patches, like what goes over your IV or what hold, holds your oxygen to your nose yeah. in a hospital setting. Little little yeah. uh, stickers that yeah, they're allow... made to be used as tape, you know. Um, yeah, but breathable tape that you could leave on. Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of like like there there's certain situations where products are used incorrectly, and and if you research the product and you find out that it says that it stops cell movement and it's not to be used on an abrasion, and then somebody repackages it and puts their own instructions on it and say, oh, this breathes and it's, it's for perfect for you. Then so what would they, they get the problem you have is when the FDA doesn't have any involvement in our industry. You can really buy any product and put any line of bullshit on it, right? But then are you calling for FDA involvement in our industry? I would love to see some oversight. And the, really? the FDA doesn't okay. wouldn't necessarily be involved in our industry. It'd be involved in the industries that supply our industry. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're going to use uh, a pharmaceutical product, right? Mm -hmm. Those products are supervised before they get to you before they get to your doctor, their right. manufacturing practices, um, dosages and things like that. Like we're having all this problem right now with the, the legal marijuana, right? Is mm -hmm. that they're figuring out without all, without the proper regulation on it, that dosages are weird. Uh, contaminants are weird. You know, there's minuscule fines for companies in my area, at least to have, um, you know, you get fined if they find mold in your, your product. Okay. You know, right. but yet 
those companies are making so much money that you give them a fifty thousand dollar fine for having mold in it. They're like, "Yep, cost of doing business." It's kind of like a class action lawsuit against a pharmaceutical company. You know what I mean? It's it's factored into their cost of doing business. Could you just you know? argue that those potheads probably do mushrooms anyways? So what problem <laughs> is it? Well, yeah, and and. I just I would like to know that the products I'm buying are, are regulated and monitored by somebody because no matter what, if you you trust the manufacturer you're buying from, they at any point in time can say, oh well, this is going to be more cost effective for me, so I'm going to change up my product, you know? Right. Or they right. could flat out lie to you. There was the you know like I I, I talked to you before about the the uh, black light and UV inks. There was one company that said that they had FDA approval for for right. this, and, and it was actually. It was approved for fish and wildlife. It wasn't approved right. for human consumption. So that was a flat right. out lie. Right. Because there is no FDA approval for, uh, for tattoo pigments. Yeah. Inside yeah. of human bodies. Yeah. Inside of uh, the, the pig that's going down, the pig carcass that's going down the line to be butchered, they, there's ways, there's um, dyes that they can use in that, that are FDA yeah. approved. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that means we can't the FDA them, perhaps, only, the FDA only mean... does with a deals with a recall list after a, after a problem is diagnosed, then they research it and they put up a recall list. Right. So there has to be enough complaints about a product for them to look into it. And then after they look into it for God knows how long, they'll put a list up on the Internet that probably nobody will ever look at. Right. You know, so that isn't really the most efficient way to deal with what we're putting in people on a daily basis. I know some of our inks that we use here, probably some of the best ones. I don't want to almost know, I guess, about it. Maybe you'd know more. But some of the inks that we use here have ingredients that will not, that are not allowed inside of the EU. Exactly. We're, some of our inks are not allowed to export. Because because of some, I'm guessing, guessing like it's a glycopropylene or something. They don't, they, don't, they don't meet minimum requirements for their standards. Is that, do you know what the ingredients would be? No, no, I don't look that far into it. And I, I, I honestly do my best to not, because I do teach a, a class for, for the state, I, I try not to endorse or discourage any products. I, I find that that's outside my purview. I follow. You know, so even when you talk about products like Sanoderm and things like that, that you use for aftercare, I only go into explaining what the three qualities of a bandage should be. And leave it up to a do we leave it up to the the yeah, and then and then poop the all over the other <laughs> no 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 if they if they feel that that whatever product they're using meets minimum requirements then right. they're doing their due diligence right if they don't think about what a bandage is and they're just wrapping people up in saran wrap yeah that's not really appropriate you know are you I mean? familiar with a, a there's a sanoderm like problem well, when i say sanoderm i guess i'm using it as the generic version of all tegaderm type products yeah. and i don't even know yeah. if tegaderm is the right name but there is a, a, a one of those products a derm type product that has a lap cloth type of a you know turkey tampon chicken tampon whatever you want to call them yeah. inside of it for yeah. absorbed material well, if it if it absorbs, then it meets that requirement. Like I said, three simple requirements. Keep it all simple, right? It's gotta it's gotta breathe because that's a process your body needs needs the oxygen. It needs to absorb because your body is supposed to you know push out fluids and to expel contaminants. So it needs to absorb those fluids, and it needs to be non non stick, non adhesive because adhesives are not good for your open wound. Now, wouldn't we think that there could be adhesives that wouldn't be a problem for it? 
Well, you know, and that that's that's a good debate, isn't it? That I'm sure I you can know. find different doctors that'll <laughs> yeah. you can find doctors that'll go back and forth on either way like that. You know what I mean? Like well, my they're, wife they're uses, making plastic like products now, even that I guess are are um, biodegradable and uh, corn. Like I met a guy on a cruise not too long ago. He he made the he was rich mofo. He was in charge of some kind of labeling process for the food that was on board. And it was made with a cornstarch so that it would degrade within a couple of weeks. Okay. But it was like this product that you were like, man, this is like almost pet plastic. You know, well, and curious. also, I mean, look, look at corn itself. It was propped up as a, a, a great food source. And now they're like, oh, no, that's not to stay away from cornstarch and corn oil and corn. This and, yeah. You know? and so, I mean, there's, there's always that debate. Something starts off good for you. And then years later, they're like, oh, that remember that thing I told you to do that causes cancer. That's probably not a good thing to do anymore. <laughs> You know, so change like, their mind on that. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember so, when the like cigarette my, my companies wife were. My wife uses like liquid skin, which is like the, it's basically like a super glue product that she puts on her cuts when she cuts her finger or whatever, or mm -hmm. gets a hangnail yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, well, that that kind of sounds the opposite of what you're supposed to do, but it's a product that says to do that, so you know, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know? do you, but you believe it could be it could cause problems because it's right there on an open wound and it's some crazy chemical. And it doesn't allow to breathe, you know, so, okay, you know, but to each their own, you know, I can't, I can't go out and, uh, and tell everybody what to do. And as you know, every, you can find one aftercare that works for 90% of people, but 10%, it still sucks. Right. So, oh, yeah. so who's right. Who's wrong. I just try to find what works for most people and go with that and then deal with the few people it didn't pan out so well for. You know, because no matter what, you're going to have problems. And all the all the times that a tattooer tells their customer, like the customer comes back with an infection, and they're like, well, dude, I can't follow you around and clean you. I didn't do it. Everything I use is sterile. Yeah. Well, no, you you gave them the open wound. You know, I like the analogy I did with, with uh, my wife got a spider bite. And then we traveled to Florida for vacation somewhere between getting the spider bite in my backyard and going through the airport and sitting on the plane and going down to a place where she wasn't familiar. Her body wasn't familiar with the bacteria there. She wound up getting cellulitis real bad. And then a doctor right. misdiagnosed it and didn't treat it properly. So by the time we got home, like five days later, she was in so much excruciating pain. She had to go straight to the ER where they finally gave her the antibiotics to treat the cellulitis, right? So now, did she not get antibiotics from the doctor in Florida? Nope. She was completely misdiagnosed at this place. And whereas I'm not a doctor, my diagnosis did not trump his well enough to get <laughs> antibiotics. I was like, no, this is what's really going on. And he didn't believe me. But uh, so whose fault was the whole deal? Was it Irene's for traveling right after getting the wound? Oh, it's a spider. wound, a spider. The spider who gave her the wound, or yeah, the bacteria that, that the bacteria that affected her and gave her the cellulitis. Okay, maybe the bacteria. Huh? How do we get mad it's, at bacteria? It's everybody. At you can kill with, with, without without the wound, you didn't. The bacteria didn't matter because her skin wouldn't have been open. You know, so it's the same thing with a tattooer. The tattoo is just as culpable as the bacteria. Bacteria is on everything when you leave my tattoo shop, but I did give you the open wound, right? So right. it's everybody's fault. Yeah, you know? we all share in this. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It's like finally, yeah, American can unite and giving giving tattoos infections. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't, if you don't give them, you know, and I, I and did I my part as an example of just kind of like paying attention to how much damage you do. It's our job to damage people on purpose, not just to draw a pretty picture. Right. So maybe don't go for the all day sessions, you know, maybe don't do the tap out sessions and maybe don't do the two day in a row sessions because the human body isn't meant to handle that kind of damage. You know, I am amazed when people do it. Infection. No, they do it constantly. There's some people that are are good. I've seen uh, work that Steve Butcher has done over a three day work week, and, and then I've seen it heal and and look beautiful. Um, but have you was, seen it heal 100 percent of the time? See, that's the real question, isn't it? Like we can all see, like if we take ten people and we all get tattooed, right. and then we all go to the farm and we wipe cow manure on our tattoos, <laughs> a certain percentage of us are going to heal fine. But overall, <laughs> wiping cow manure on your tattoos probably a bad fucking idea. You know, the worst part is that the, the people that heal fine, there'll be like two people that heal fine. They're like, dude, cow manure, it's the shit, man. That that helped it, literally the shit. It helped my tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. It's because be it's organic. Endorsing it. Yeah. Because, organic because it's organic. Manure. And yeah. I'm saving the planet by recycling. <laughs> <laughs> cow manure is good for the plants. Why wouldn't it be good for my tattoo? You know, yeah. like there's a hundred reasons you can think of to use it. None of them make sense, but there's a marketing sense. Yeah. You know, so it, it, there is no right or wrong. It's just kind of trying to use as much science as you can to make a good decision. But when people stop, you know, start ignoring science so that they can, you know, sell products and stuff. And the, 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 the way tattoo artists just blindly follow sales pitches blows my mind. So like you literally wave <laughs> something in front of them and say, this is brighter than everything. This is the fancier of everything. <laughs> and tattoo artists will go, ooh, will you put me on your pro team? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> I hate that you're not wrong. <laughs> I really want you to be wrong there, but I mean, it feels that you're, you're, oh, that's all right. you have to do to sell a tattoo artist is put them on a fucking pro team. Well, I like when, well, and, and that, and I, I'm, I'm more mean about, you know, the shiny thing. And, and cause you'll hear I, I, somebody, you know, what they'll tell me about a machine. What do you think about that machine? Oh, it's soft. It's soft. And then I like, I get into the design of it. I'm like, no, this, there's nothing soft about this. No. This is a rotary machine that has no spring. Yeah. It's, it's literally going to make a whole cycle, no matter who holds it. This is the opposite of soft. This is consistent. This is what you're telling me is what it's, yeah. you know, I mean, people always have a weird, but they will use the, whatever person sold it to them as yeah. that. That's what they yeah. end up saying back that it is. The sales pitch. Yeah. And we buy, they buy it hook, line and sinker. As long as you feed their ego a little bit, as long yeah. as you make it so they can tell everybody that they're the, they're the, the, the pro team, they're, they're the flagship user of this, you know? Well, I wonder, do I even want a, a soft machine? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's just the same thing. Like you'll find products that have tattoo artist names on it. And then you go and hang out with that tattoo artist. You have a couple of drinks and you find out that guy doesn't even use that product. <laughs> it, it's, it's happened with our friends before. Yeah, we, we know those guys. <laughs> yeah. I used to um it was there and was I can't, a, I can't tell you I wouldn't have done it at any point in time in my career. Like, hey, you want to throw my name on something? Cool. Well, <laughs> there, was a, there was a thing where you did this, where you did that as a machine builder. What you would do is you would make a machine for somebody, say Bob Tyrell. You just make him a machine. You're like, hey Bob Tyrell, will you accept this machine from me? And he says, Yes. Now he now you are a machine builder of Bob Tyrell, right? Yeah. And now also you say when you sell your machine, do you want that set up the way Bob Tyrell's is? And they're like, well, uh, yeah. And you're like, cool, right on. Here you go. There, I just set it up just like Bob Tyrell's. Yeah. 
I, I had a I had a buddy that that makes tattoo machines and and he had uh, put somebody on his pro team and and I was like kind of like I was like that's weird, you know, because he makes coil machines and this particular artist I knew used rotary machines Rotaries. and and the, yeah. the guy was the, the tattooer was perfectly happy to go on the pro team and and say yep thanks man um to be part of this pro team and da, 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 da. and then he went out to the guy's shop and he saw his tattoo machine sitting in a case like sitting in a glass case like a display model <laughs> and he found out the guy never ever tattoos with it and i'm like oh, right. yeah that's that's what it is man <laughs> that's the way that that goes wow that i i try to have a bit more dignity with my uh with any kind of sponsorships that i've ever received or gotten in most cases i'm just working with friends or people that have supported me for a long time I, yeah. I i still use fk irons to this day i think they're great machines um i think they stay on top of the the curve a bit and uh, mm -hmm. i still use eternal ink for the most part i use needle jig but all these things are just relationships that you yeah, know i've, yeah. I've yeah, gotten you love, you love Mark, so therefore needle jig's going to be a cool company forever right yeah you know yeah and even if he is gallivanting all across the world in his airplane well you bought it for him <laughs> <laughs> I have to remind him. I, said, I told him, I was like, dude, no, I was buying you a, a retirement village in Tahiti. This wasn't, I was supposed to come and visit in Tahiti. Yeah. Remember, we had a whole plan. What's the airplane doing? That's in the way. Yeah. Well, I always looked at I always looked goal. at sponsorships and and product uh, endorsements as being uh, like my my end user, my clients, they don't give a fuck. Like, why am I going to brag to them that, that I'm this or I'm that? It, it's basically just an ego boost. Like a customer might be slightly impressed that you're good enough to be on a pro team, but who isn't good enough to be on a pro team anymore? There's so many products out there. You can find somebody to endorse you, you know, because they want right. you to tag them on your, on your social media, you know, because they're getting promotion out of you as well as you getting it out of them. But my customers so what do we don't call really, this? like the last question they're going to ask me is, is what kind of ink do you use? You know, because they don't they don't know the difference between one and the other. You know, right. I, I tend to just stick with products that I've used. Like I said, well, that I know I know what to expect from them. And I know that the 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 distributor for that product has enough integrity to not switch things up on me. And as your and customer like that, ever so, asked, because occasionally uh, happen, right? Well, have, have you had a customer that's asked, like, what kind of ink it is? More, uh, more, more so of like, uh, they want to make sure that it's vegan friendly. You know, okay, yeah, like, yeah. Doesn't conflict with their moral uh, values. If I ever um, hear that, I always know that I'm like, oh, is this tattoo going to be difficult? Is that, <laughs> is that what I just heard? <laughs> like, oh, fuck, it's going to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, or the, the ones that where like, they'll, they'll ask you all kinds of questions. Like, do you use new needles? you know which which like for us is a joke you know maybe not right. a guy who was tattooing in the 50s but for us right. it's kind of like of course it is <laughs> like well, what, yeah. do you, what do you think this is but then i told him like you know it's really weird the one question nobody ever asked me is what's in the ink that i'm putting in your body for the rest of your life and then they're like oh what so is what's in the ink, in the ink? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i kind of prompt them to, to ask me and then and then i'll give them such a dry response that they wish they didn't ask you know <laughs> you just go over it all well, see, there's a system, there's an, you know, oxidizing metals. Do you know about that process? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Let's talk. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, this sounds painful. Like, man, I wish I didn't know. Yeah. I, 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 I feel like that's the way we think about most of our ink, though. 
Yeah, well, I, I think so. I, yeah. I'd rather trust you. How about that? But well, but you take some exception to, especially because we take our pictures now and the tattoo is done and that's the way it's going to look forever. And here I have proof. It's right on my phone. Yeah. Right. Like, like, what are you saying? It faded. No, it didn't look it. Here it is. Like, no, look at the tattoo. It's in front of you. This is the tattoo and it looks faded. See? And you're like, no, no, here's my picture. Yeah. Well, and that, I've always taken exception to that. Like, I, I don't think I've, I've, like I know that my my social media guys always hounding me. I don't take any pictures or give him any content, and and so I try to work with him. But but uh, thankfully he's there to nag me about it. Otherwise, I'd never happen, you know. Because mm-hmm. uh, like that whole thing of like Joe, if you put more time into the eye, it would come out cooler. Well, in five years, that little time I put into that eye doesn't even make a difference because the eye is still a black little blob. You know what I mean? It's tiny. There's, there's an absolute truth to hold that. Up. So why did I put the time into that to make a cooler picture for my social media? I look at my tattoos being judged on the street. You know what I mean? So yeah. if somebody has a tattoo that's 10 years old for me and it's still getting me clientele, I was successful. If I have a tattoo th- on the street that people are looking at and go, Ooh, maybe I'll try someone else. Then that's not <laughs> working. And, and, you know, proof in the pudding and, and you know, still and, working. I'm still working. I'm still booking out, you know, nine months out of the year and I'm still running a shop that, that, you know, as you pointed out, does an exorbitant amount of tattooing, you know? Yes. In, so. in that, do you, do you figure, have you seen this? Uh, it's not really dotedism or pointillism, but it's like you turn the aligner down and you kind of scrape across the skin, same direction as you tattooing, would. tattooing wrong on purpose. Okay, tattooing wrong <laughs> on purpose. Yes. What do you, th- that's what do you what think? It, that's basically what you do there. Is it's to cause stippling, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I did stippling like 25 years ago, and I know what it looks like now because it was on my wife, and I choose not to do that to people. Well, doesn't it? The ink, part, the ink particles are going to swell in this game. They're not going to. Mm-hmm. That that ink is going to swell. The cells don't care if you wanted it to be a horseshoe or a ladybug. It's just going to hold on and bond with certain particles of pigment, right? So even though you want those dots to be so evenly spaced out, some of them are going to get bigger. Some of them are going to average out. Some of them are going to fade away because they weren't as deep, you know? So I don't think it's an effective tattoo technique for long-term. I think it makes a cool look right now, but you know how that tattoo holds up. I, it's for each person to make an assessment on their own. Like I see tattoos that have aged and they look like black on black shading. Cause, cause people have done that. You know what I mean? I see okay. the picture of what it looks like on the internet. And then I see the picture or the person standing right in front of me of what it looks like now. And I'm like, Oof, that's, that looks like it could have been done by anybody without any time or effort. But I know the artist slowed down to make that effect. And they charge the customer twice as much to pull off that effect. And then later on, it looks like somebody just kind of slapped that together. You know, damn, you're just it's shitting a, on it. Well, I'm, just, I'm more about I'm more about longevity, you know. I would have thought that they would uh, heal and possibly at best become more smooth or smoother as the as the. I, I, I've seen things like that with uh, certain tattoos, like uh, a guy that I used to like work old with. Had some, some, mm-hmm. I had I had a tattoo artist that that got a bunch of work done uh, by uh, Philippe Lou, and he said the way he just goes over with a giant mag and just kind of like. Blah, 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 blah. And when you when he first got the tattoo, he was like, wow, that looks kind of rough. Like he kind of like rushed through it or something. And then, mm-hmm. but it healed like butter, like just everything smoothed itself out through healing. So that's an example of a guy 
who knows how a tattoo is going to heal. So therefore doesn't stress in the moment. You know what I mean? He's he doing a tattoo for what way. it's going to look like. He's using it, you know, but I see some of these guys that do the opposite. They're, they're stressing over that, making it look a certain way without any account for what it's going to heal like yeah. and what uh, it's going to look like later, you know? So there, right. there's two different, there's two different versions of that, you know? No. And one might be putting the, the mid tones in, uh, without leaving an open space then it's what yeah. you're saying too and that yeah. mid-tone might end up fading out to be more similar to the darks and, and or people that try to, to to put their their tattoo needle in lighter or shallower in order to make a lighter tone so they're they're just using a black pigment which is all the same size particle you know what i mean and they're trying to, to basically like you would with a pencil just kind of like shading it out lighter to get it to come out you've seen those guys online that use the the pendulum technique they like literally holding their clip cord and swinging their tattoo machine back and forth across the skin and no i have not seen it literally holding gorgeous. Cord. yeah really yeah oh yeah yeah you look up for that they're, they're like a pendulum technique and it and it's literally like once you you put that up against the the science of tattooing where you only have cells they're called macrophages that they exist in the center layer of your skin the middle of your skin so right. anything above that is going to is going to fade off it's going to shed anything below that is going to blur out so the science of tattooing does not allow for that pendulum technique to be effective at all your ink is essentially either in the right place or it's not you know for a tattoo that's going to age well right have so, you seen any of the results of these pendulum? I, oh, of I course, really of course none, of, none of these guys are weirdly enough are putting pictures of their tattoos up five years later. <laughs> They're putting their, their, their pictures up of what it looks like right now, completely filtered and everything else, you know? What do you think about the filters then too? polarized lenses? I don't, I don't, uh, I don't agree with them for the, the fact that I think that it gives a false expectation to clients. I think it's unfair to the clients with, so many times and it has to happen to you customers bring in these pictures of these tattoos that look so glorious but you know with your knowledge of tattooing that that's not what it looks like and then you have to yeah. explain it like burst the bubble of the client you're like okay last time you were at the beach did you see any tattoos that look like this and they're like no and i'm like then why can't you accept the fact this isn't real <laughs> you know like this <laughs> the you know the guy who did there. that tattoo works right down the street. And if he did tattoos that look like that, there'd be a lot of tattoos around here looking like that. But you have never seen yeah. one in real life. You only see them on the internet, you know? Well, the polarized, I, I got me one because I was prepared to try and make my tattoos look like the new kids are. Mm -hmm. And then they explained to me that I also need a polarized film over my flash. Yep. And, uh, and it's, it's a lot of work. You know, I applaud them for doing it because it, oh, yeah. if, if it's, if it's within, if their customers are still using them, then they must be doing it right. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, however, I have, I mean, there are things like what's that, um, tattooed truth fairy that yeah. show how some of these things really look over time. I'm a huge fan of that site. <laughs> <laughs> I think he goes a little bit overboard at times too. I feel well, like doesn't uh, it, doesn't it warrant that and deserve that to like, add a little bit of you know satire to it and and make fun of it a little bit if you're going to put yourself out there and sell a fake product don't you deserve to be picked on a little well he'll he will take a picture that is in the absolute worst lighting conditions mm -hmm. and then compare it to something that's in the, in the best you know and you're like well the tattoo still looks better 
than that that you show us with that huge <laughs> highlight that's like taking on a guy while he's out boating or something his arms not even straight down to the side it's turned to the side it's all reflective sun it's like look at this tattoo looks like shit under the sun so you find that to be more unfair than the artist that's using a filter and then photoshopping and oversaturating his blacks <laughs> and you you don't think he's as wrong as the guy who's like no using i, the I just identify with the other one more because he's because <laughs> i get it. i understand wanting more customers i get that <laughs> yeah no um yeah yeah you're just shitting on everything tooth fairy truth fairy <laughs> truth i love that site yeah no i i do think that um he's he went after uh Arlo, pretty pretty harshly, I felt. Uh, well, I don't know I, that all I, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I'm not saying that every. I mean, I have dear friends of mine that that put time and energy into photoshopping and and changing their work, and I know they're using polarized lenses. And with the new phones these days, they come with so many filters that'll make everything Dude. look gorgeous. I got know, the. So. That's the only reason I got this iPhone. I'm bitching at is their fucking cameras are so gorgeous. I was, I couldn't. You want to? You want to see that? You know what I do? I just don't take pictures of anything. I, <laughs> I still don't do that. But I mean, the pictures of me and my friends. We're like, <laughs> like you set up the cinematic mode or whatever. You're like, it's like we like my friends are all tens all of a sudden, and, and yeah. you know us. You know us. We're not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> you are us brother yeah. <laughs> but i'm like good lord we're fucking gorgeous we could make a movie and shit oh, I've, hit, I've hit the age where i start getting disgruntled or demanding when people pull out a camera because i'm like you have to get my picture from the right angle and i have to make sure that i'm sucking my gut in and and then i realize, like man i'm just so stupid like, yeah, none, none I, of that helped. i put zero effort into not looking like a slob but Until i totally pull out a camera energy. I put in a whole lot of energy worrying about how that camera is going to make me look, you know, <laughs> yeah, like a slob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, like no, I, no. Like I do like... in real life. You know, that's, that's the sad part is that they're, they're catch, catch the real me and I'm in trouble. I'm with it. I know. That's why I, I can't hold still for a picture. Cause it, I'm such a goofy looking fucker. I'm good <laughs> on video. That's what I found. Like I can move enough that if you got fuzzy eyesight, like my wife, then I'll, mm. I'll, I can look attractive. But if I'm standing still, you just start looking at me like, man, those are some weird ass angles. Oh, I think you have some classic beauty too. You got some nice chiseled jawline. Oh, uh, you haven't seen me Your face recently. Is very expressive. You can, you can take a still frame photo and have different moods and expressions in every single one of them. It's fantastic. I, I do like that about my face being extremely expressive, but it's all because of this huge Cro-Magnon forehead that I have. <laughs> uh, I look like I should have a, a, a prehensile tail or something, um, <laughs> or, or I should live in a cave somewhere and, uh, and that my wife would be, uh, you know, do you, do you find that's more of a point of, of uh, that's more of a, a point of stress for you now as you're getting older, is your hairline falling out yet? Are you, Cause like oh, my dude, I'm bald right now. My, my forehead's been growing for a while now. So mm -hmm. I'm like, does it look okay? And I just, I, I take care of it all by just wearing a hat. I'm going to, I'm about there. My dad, I was wore a hat. Uh, yeah. I shaved my head off again. Remember the first time we met, I was bald. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I never had hair until I was like 35 or something. Like that. So I started well, I shaved my head once and my wife told me if I ever did it again, she would leave me because <laughs> I have a perfectly square head. Like I have points and corners, but. <laughs> she said i look so ridiculous that if you I are a blockhead you're gonna leave me 
I am completely. Uh, I swear to God, my mother never rolled me over when I was a baby because I just you had, like had you had health issues too, though that, that would prevent that of some sort, right? Am I, am I wrong? You were in the hospital when you were a kid. Oh no! Well, no. I mean, I have I have a lot of health issues, but never any that led to like lengthy hospitalizations. Just kind of like I wasn't allowed to play like contact sports and and things right. like that. And now as I get but older, the trade off for that is you can always have cereal without yeah. a bowl. You never have yeah. to watch. That was one of your favorite things. You were supposed to tattoo the dent in my chest. You were at one point. Do you remember that? I yes. I do. You aren't you scared of getting it tattooed though? I'm scared of getting tattooed in general. It hurts. There's something wrong with people that get tattooed all the time. And then especially my slow ass tattoo in your chest. Yeah. Yeah. With those abusive rotary machines. With an abusive rotary. Well, you, I, and, and then it's, it's uh, for the people listening at home, you literally have like, uh, like yeah, I've been, I've been reached into bone. your chest and removed a section. <laughs> no, no. They just, uh, uh, God found it, found it okay to kind of cram all my organs together in weird shapes and like a like a fucked up Jenga puzzle, so uh-huh. that my rib cage can form inwards instead of going straight across. Which is like I had the nickname in junior high. I think my nickname was Dent, which was super exciting, you know. And then that was like always traumatic too, because you go to the pool and all the all the boys take off their shirts and jump in the pool, and I I'd be the kid with that with my shirt still on because I was embarrassed. Because yeah, you were know? dent. I, I've I been there. Dent. I had a big dent, you know. You know, uh, I don't know what, sometimes shorts get old. This is my embarrassing story. I don't know how embarrassing it is. Uh, uh, but sometimes shirts, your swim trunks get old. And I had an old ass pair of swim trunks. And I didn't know, like, you know how they have the underwear inside to keep your shit from, but. Uh, the man, yeah. 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 So swim day comes for gym. You know, you don't get to skip that stuff. And I was just. You had, just, you had swim day in gym? What kind yeah, of privilege white high school did you go to? Really, you didn't have a pool. Well, we didn't have a pool, and I I grew up in like an upper middle class town, and we didn't have a pool. After my father died, uh, we got they they you know all the programs rushing to save your ass. And they were like, hey, here, no, my, my, uh, we moved in with my grandmother, and she lived in a nicer area, and they did have a. It was actually a pretty big change, but at the Richie Kid School. These kids come out with like fly ass fucking swim trunks and shit. You know, they get new ones every year. And my swim trunks been hand me down for my brother. And uh, they're, you know, seven, eight years old, somehow (laughs) still fitting or whatnot, because they started big and they got a drawstring. But now they're like 100% see through. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what teacher didn't fucking feel it was their civic duty to come and put a stop to that even. Now like, it would have been. Now, now you'd be committing all kinds of crimes. It would have been bad for you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, now they would. I could be like, I could claim a different gender, and that's my yeah. expression yeah. of selfish. And I don't know. I'm lying. <laughs> Listen to me being. Ridiculous. I love how you just compared to like me having a disfigurement <laughs> and and being chastised my whole life for it and being traumatized to a pair of bad gym shorts. <laughs> my, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, i guess it isn't the somebody, same huh? somebody saw kyle's genitals before he was ready <laughs> dude it was cold the pool was cold just saying that's always, that's always this the go-to is really right there. just try an excuse to, to try and 
hope that I'm talking to any of the audience of the girls that were witnessing it that day. So I can just, I'm just trying to explain the, the frigidity, like it's shrinkage is real. Well, That's I, what I'm, I am, I'm just glad to know that you had some sort of childhood drama while you were going to a school that had a, a pool. It was yeah. indoors too. Was it an indoor pool? Dude, dude, listen. Yeah, was and it, it was warmer than Sturbridge. That, let's talk about that for a minute and get off of my terrible childhood. Thank you. Or <laughs> my, my trauma from my no, but um, yeah, it was a nice pool. It was a beautiful pool. There was here's here's the trauma from going to a rich ass school, actually. Here, here it is. Is when you stand in line, right? So, like it, at my old school, every single day, roll call started with all the kids getting their welfare. Uh, lunch card. Yeah, okay. I'm one of them. Everybody is. There's like two kids that pay for lunch and then they would get called last, you know, but your teacher would hand out the roll card because it's like everybody at the school, 80%, you're all getting, you know, assistance. So then you, the, so this wasn't an absolute pri privileged area because up until no. right then, this sounded like you were the, the embodiment of white privilege growing well, up. Well, no. Well, now we go to, you go from that to living at your, with your grandmother's new house because okay. your dad's not around anymore. So you go there and you get your ticket uh, for your lunch card from the office, which is weird, but whatever you put it in your pocket and then you're standing in the lunchroom and you see all these kids with cash. And then you see them all handing it to the cashier. And then you're like, where the fuck? Why are they paying for? Oh, my God. And the, for, that's when it realized that it dawns on you that, you know, and everybody looks at your ticket in your hand that you're about to get punched with a, a punch card. Come back tomorrow. Make sure you don't lose that. That's your free meal, you, you loser. Oh, wow. That, that's okay. when the so that's when some that's when the trauma comes in. I guess yeah. of, of any if it's just when people are like ragging on your Chevette, they're like, nice Chevette. Your yeah. mom got pants that aren't polyester, and you're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have pants that aren't polyester. You guys are dicks. So, so, so did, did that affect you a lot later in life? Then that kind of trauma, do you think? Uh, not so you were basically, you were basically I, the I outcast that way, right? You were the you were the financial outcast. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, with all trauma like that, that's really what we need to bring back. Let's be honest. That kind okay. of shit really just it builds resolve in those of us. If you're able to get to the point where you realize how stupid they were because they were actually putting their own fears on you and their yeah. fears were bigger. You know, they're like, oh, my God, what if I don't peg my pants because 90210 is in. Oh, my God, my sideburns aren't fucking growing in. You know, these kinds yeah. of things that they really worried about. And you're like, well, I got real shit to worry about. Like eating's tough, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I get it. But everything is a problem for you. But like, I got so that, real that, that was able to give you some perspective as you, yeah. as you got. Yeah. And then you realize how foolish all of it is. And you're like, well, now I actually feel like all that helped make this resolve that can now, withstand now how come that, that same stuff is kind of used as uh, an excuse for all like the school shootings and stuff these days kyle how how did you get out while while those other kids went the other direction because we've made the wrong mistake in telling these we started a long time ago by being bullies to bullies mm -hmm. and now the worst thing you can be is a bully and so these these kids think that oh my god i'm being but everybody is bullied we all imagine it even if we're not you You're know bully yourself. okay what we imagine every everything is against us, right? Like if you get yeah. completely subjective, then yes, everything is formed against you. But when you can become third person and get outside of that, then you realize sometimes the bullying isn't the bullying. I'm saying we need to bring back fucking dodgeball and stop with the participation <laughs> trophies. Teach and educate uh, 
allows me to get back to teaching and educating because uh, at, at your Sturbridge show. Yeah. We did some seminars early on in the convention and Lyle did his machine building seminar. And I think he did, I think uh, Marshall did one too. Um, I thought he they, did, never, did. they never really got great attendance. And, and oh, really? Lyle used to, used to attribute it to the fact that mass holes think they know everything. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so if you say here, I'm going to teach you something, they don't show up to class. <laughs> right. Which I, I, don't know how, I don't know how far wrong he was, but um, I like to think that, that the tattooers were too busy tattooing and making money to to be able to take classes. But we they just kind of like the seminars just kind of dissolved. I, we were, like I said, kind of a smaller show, um, not as much going on. I focus more on the entertainment. Like you said, I, I go I've gone out and just gone and seen street shows out in Boston and and found sideshows there. You know what I mean? I believe um, you were the first person to to bring what was it, Alakazam onto the Alakazam. We we ch- we went down and and scouted him. We saw him one time when we were walking around downtown um, in Boston, and and uh, just uh, his ability to command a crowd and everything. I said, I, I throw this convention. Can you do this inside? Can you do it indoors? Yeah. And uh, he says, Oh yeah, I think I can. And I'm like, it'd be amazing if you could do that. And I had never known that how he had done on Australia, got talent. And, and I didn't know any of that. He was just a street performer. That grabbed Did you know attention. he was in the matrix, the movie? No, no, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about his background at all. I just knew that he captured my attention and the way that the, he could get the crowd to do what he wanted them to do. I said, this yeah. is the kind of stuff that we need at our convention. And now look at him. He does all of Tommy's conventions. He's doing Troy's convention. He's, he's all over the tattoo circuit, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's uh, been great for his career for sure. Being, yeah. Being and I mean, like that, that that's an attribute to, to like how captivating he is. I mean, I can, I can take a little bit of a little bit of joy in the fact that I saw him first, but you know, I certainly <laughs> certainly couldn't do anything to make his his performance any cooler than it already is, you know. Well, then I guess that would attribute to Boston being a cool place. Well, if you ever get to go, the the um, the street performers are so cool; they really are. And there's there's a few of them; they're all in designated areas and stuff. But you know, they they really is it really is a fun neat thing you know so i've i've had some good things and then just thinking outside the box I, instead of just hiring like the same sideshow acts that are at every convention i didn't look at that like it would be selling my 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 patrons short it was more about the tattoo artists because when you you know when you do enough conventions and you hear the same voices over that speaker kind of doing the same joke and the same build up and then the same finale you get kind of like oh god you know so I wanted yeah, to just yeah. kind of do something different to create the environment of something different, you know, more for the tattooers to enjoy their time, you know. Any so, what's planned this year? Can you can you reveal any of it yet, or you know? Well, I, I try I try not to. We're going to bring back some classics because this is, like I said, our reunion tour. Yeah. So we have yeah. we have some old favorites that we we work with that have just been great. They've stood by us. I mean, you you know the thrill thrill kill Jill and Tyler Tyler Fire are oh, yeah. just old. You know we 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 dealt with them years ago and just fell in love with them. Fleet Family so, Five now. Yeah, exactly. Right. And she was performing on our stage, I think, when uh, she was really pregnant and doing the sword swallowing. And I know that she got into like the Guinness Book of World Records or something at our convention. 
Oh, be, be, by uh, being pregnant and being a pregnant sword yeah, swallower? Do it, doing the types of performances that she does while pregnant, you know, or as pregnant as she was, you know. Oh, awesome. And I remember when they'd come back a couple of years later and the little baby sitting there and they got the little pacifier sword for him to like <laughs> swallow along <laughs> yeah. with them. So like that, that whole Flea Family Five, I watched kind of start up on our on our stage. It was kind of neat. It's kind of fun. I, I but think that's, you were the, that's how the I feel about most of too. Yeah, but, but most of the most of the, the people that I, I have come through my convention, it's that way, you know, like all the great stories about about Marshall Bennett, spending time with him and then and then being able to see him anywhere else in the country that we might go travel. You, you know, coming into town, you and Candy and, you know, all my great experiences have come around the great people that we've put together in that room. You know what I mean? I, I have very little to do with it other than to just like try to offer a cool place to go and then find things that'll entertain the people to be there, you know? Well, you also get us, I mean, I really, I can't say enough about like Mike, I don't know Mike's last name, but the, your security help. Oh, um, Mike Goyette. Shout well, out yeah, Mike yeah Goyette. I do know his name. I should, because yeah. it's a heating and cooling company out here. Mm. But that, I mean, all those guys kick ass. Um, even to give us stories like when, he, they're not a bunch of dry prudes either, obviously, right? So it's mostly fire and police guys. Am I wrong? But I, have, they... I have I have off duty law enforcement, um, fire department because you know we wanted to make sure that we had enough people that knew, you know, safety protocols and and things like that. So and some of the guys, uh, like some of the guys, those big giant, you know, muscle bound guys you see are, are local football players. Okay. Because sometimes, uh, sometimes you need your security to be a little intimidating, you know? <laughs> yes. Jamie, I Jamie got Dupuis, locked in his um, car. Military. Yes. Explain this. What happens? Uh, he got saran wrapped in his car, actually, right? Well, he, he has a tendency to nap in his car, not not because he's drinking or because of, of anything nefarious. He'll he, If he's tired, yeah. he'll just go out and sleep in his car. And the truth so, of the matter is he's tired because those guys stay up sober for the most part of the night, yep. uh, keep, uh, keeping us able to party and drink. And, I think the last guy, the last guy will be off day. duty at about four or five in the morning. And <laughs> right. they're so ridiculous that they'll come to my room and kick people out to, so that I will go to bed. Now remind me that I need to go to bed and they, 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 they put me to bed at night and then they stay up doing their jobs. They're amazing. And then wake up the next day to do it, but he takes a nap in his vehicle. He'll take a nap in his vehicle, and then the other guys will, will go <laughs> saran wrap his whole car <laughs> with him in it. Yeah, I so, did they video it at all? Oh, I think they had. I think Jamie has some pictures. Yeah, I think I, I'll have to ask Mike. Mike might have some good pictures or video. But yeah, they, there's always fun pranks like that are going on, as you know. Like we have our prank that we do with the banners. I don't think we've gotten you yet. But every year we pick uh, like two random artists and we recreate a new banner with our sense of humor to uh -huh. it. And then we, when they're not paying attention, we go and switch their banner. Right. And then so, do they even I, notice you or is it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they notice or somebody will tell them. I did one with, um, who, who was, I had a couple that were, were hilarious. Um, we did Aldo, you know, Aldo. So we, we got him, whereas we, we did a, a video of him like tat getting his butthole tattooed or doing a butthole tattoo. And and uh, 
wound up like taking a bunch of video of me and him talking in front of it. And, and I'm literally like pointing up at the banner while he's talking to the camera and he doesn't know what's going on. And then finally he turns around and notices it almost broke into tears. It was so funny, you know, and Ken, Ken carnage, you know, may rest in peace. We had his banner. We did with, we wrote his name out with nothing but dongs, like nothing but dildos. <laughs> and so I just getting carnage all made out of dicks. And uh, yeah, so that, that was great. Uh, he thought that was hilarious. Oh, re recently we did. Uh, uh, who else have we gotten? I'm trying to think. Um, I have Mc had my Mc Mc McElroy. I think we got la at the last convention. He didn't even get his. He didn't get his um, because we had to cancel like two weeks before the convention. So we wound up giving it to him, and he's used it at other conventions. We we. We, he, him and my wife had a joke going about uh, his tattoo style, like being so soft and gentle, or so we called him like butterfly kisses. Like, and uh, yes. we put a picture of him as a cherub, like this naked baby with wings, with his big head on there. We put it, we enlarged the size of his head so it looks like a fat head baby angel with a little tiny, you know, baby penis all pixelated out so it wasn't inappropriate. And <laughs> And uh, it's good enough for the Sistine Chapel. It's good yeah, enough. Yeah, he's he's actually used it at other conventions. Never used it at ours yet. <laughs> so. ah, but it was the one you switched out. Oh yeah, well it was the one we were going to, and we wound up, you know, because we had to cancel the convention and stuff. We still wanted to have some fun with it, so we went ahead and sent it to him as oh, a joke, okay. and and then he's used it since. So, well, maybe you'll get a chance because we're coming up on it. What what date and time? The 24th through the, through the 26th of March. Yeah. So you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, they didn't it. even fucking know. Well, that's because I know as soon as I put it out there in the world, somebody is going to somebody is going to put a giant conglomerate tattoo convention right on top of mine. Oh. <laughs> Same yeah. weekend as it always is. Candy calls comes in to remind me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, we do our best to kind of keep it in the same area every year. So. It makes it easier about when, when that way you know who's stepping on your toes at least, huh? Well, yeah, and, and <laughs> I get it when when you have bigger stuff going on, uh, bigger fish to fry. You don't get as much choices with your scheduling, I'm sure. You right. know what I mean? Like right. you're juggling, juggling eighteen things. I've got one little thing to do, but you know, it's also like if I was given any notice, then I could maybe plan mine differently. But you know, well, by keeping it the same way each year, you kind of you plan around that almost. Uh, well, and, yeah, and but you're kind of grandfathered in at this point. Other than that, I think I may have stayed too long and said too much on this beautiful oh, really? day that we're both at our campgrounds. Yeah, fucking. Did we? Did we? Did we cover enough off topics? I know we started That's with the convention and ended with the convention, but we spent two and a half hours talking about anything but. <laughs> uh, hey, you do remember that you called me one time to tell me that your toilet paper dispenser was not in the right position, orientated to your toilet, right? <laughs> no i don't recall you that. don't remember that you <laughs> called me one time and you were like no never mind the screws on the number on the door outside my door but like where they decided to put this toilet paper roll holder <laughs> is the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen and, uh, and i'm like you know i'm setting up to do this this convention style, <laughs> right and i'm not uh, sure if i'm the guy that you should call about your fucking toilet paper <laughs> it does seem like somebody but i mean i know i didn't wasn't gonna and why tell them they obviously know and i didn't even i didn't even ask but whether or not you were actually like maybe sitting on the toilet while you were calling me like if you're like you're like sitting there you're like huh 
You know, I have to bend uh, weird to reach this toilet paper. And I'm going to call Joe. <laughs> uh, um, well, I look forward to making uh, your life a living hell again this year. I look forward to making some, know more, some more memories. I, wanna, I want to. I want those. I want some more memories. Matches the appropriate position. Oh, I'm going to have to get into your hotel room before you do. That's all I'm going to say. Give a little look around. <laughs> oh, shit. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't don't save any audio. De- do you have swag for your podcast that we can decorate with? The candy probably does. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, this has been fun. I want to I want to thank you for for having me part. Is hopefully you don't cut out everything that I said. <laughs> the, edit- the editing room floor. No, we're gonna cut out just about all of this ending is all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and candy will probably get all the stuff where we're just like catching up, you know. Yeah, or or just do you have somebody come in and do a voiceover for all of my parts? <laughs> who should we have? Who who does your voice? Who who acts who a, you who in nice the movie? Sexy voice, though. Who has a sexy voice? We should start thinking of one. I mean, Brian. Oh, I, really I don't want, know if really sexy mo- voice, but Morgan Freeman's got an awesome voice. Yeah, uh, we we should have Irene do it with her new her new voice. Oh yeah. What is Irene's new voice? I guess I haven't heard this. I don't sound the same anymore. Oh, it's you got a little bit of a um, queen of the si- silver dollar ballroom kind of uh, rasp going there. Uh, oh, what's her name? Angie Harmon. A- Angie, Angie Harmon. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, now it's like you get a, 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 spe- a whole new identity, like uh, right? Oh yeah, with the now she's she's got the new hairstyle and she's got the you know because all of her hair fell out. Oh, I wasn't aware. So she's, so she's growing get, it back into this cute little short hair thing. Do you uh, are you into wigs then? Oh, she, you didn't see her video on Facebook. You no, have to go onto her Facebook page. Yeah, oh, you have to. Yeah, you have to go on, because she she did have the thought to to do the wigs. See, I always think I would, but even now I have no hair and I still don't do wigs. Well, she, probably she, buy a bunch. She, was, she thought about it and she she got some. She didn't invest as much as she should have. She got like some some cheap wings wigs to do. And then she, she put up a video of her like trying it on and looking in the mirror for the first time. And she almost peed herself like she was laughing <laughs> at herself so bad. So the wigs. So she bright. didn't take them out then. No, as well as it works. So I never got to even experience the wigs. When I got home, she's like, nope, wigs are a nope. And uh, she's like, not I can't even, do it without laughing. Uh, not even uh, not even in the bedroom, huh? No, I was like, oh, I'm finally going to be married to a blonde or, you know, a redhead. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. Switch it up nothing. this night, huh? Uh. No. And, and I think over the years, I think I, I kind of like callously joked that if, if she ever had short hair, we'd be done. Right? I'm, not, I'm not a short hair kind of guy. I don't want to, you know, be married to a lesbian. And and now that she has short hair, she wears it so well, it's fucking adorable. I love it. Hey, brother, we love you. Enjoy the, I'm guessing the sun's shining up there. Uh, yeah, it's pretty hot. Irene already already uh, started trucking down to the, to the river with her oxygen tank. So I got to go catch up to her because I'm not being a good husband right now. I love you, brother. Go, go, go look after you your too. wife. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All yeah. right. Bye.